With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, let's see. The Masters is in a rain delay. It's possible, maybe not probable, but possible we have our first Masters Monday finish since 1983. If you're scoring at home, and I hope you are. Tiger Woods did make the cut. He's in 54th place, which is last place. But if you saw the poor guy trying to walk today, you will hold your jokes. Uh, and not for nothing, a live golfer might win the Masters and make less money than he made last week. We'll explain that later. Oh, yeah, an NBA team loses on purpose. Not a good look in this particular case. And I hear there's even an investigation. We'll break that down. Playoffs, talking about playoffs, Jim Mora. Well, the NBA playoff uh, scenario will be set by this time uh, tomorrow night. Meanwhile, Major League's new rules, they're working. Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer and on and on and on. Brand new fool, what my name, it must be Saturday night. That's right, you heard the man. That time of week, my name is Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios, Fox Sports Radio. Here in Las Vegas, TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. 15 minutes. Tony Miller, fan favorite, the sportsbook director at the Golden Nugget, will join us. Lots of things to kick around. 12 midnight, Medina Magic, Mark Medina, our Fox Sports Radio NBA insider. We've got a jam-packed show, and you know why. Sports. Look, we don't have royalty in this country. Our athletes are royalty. That's why sports are entertainment. But there's so much more than that to you and me. There, there's certainly a shared experience. People want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Welcome in. The Bernie Fratto Show will take you all the way to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And as they say, in Herbrooks, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Not a hell, whole hell of a lot to talk about as it pertains to the Masters Brooks Kepka is uh, is 13 under. He's got a solid four-stroke lead over John Rahm, who's very formidable. But Rahm would either have to charge in a big way, or Kepka would have to spit the bit, which I don't expect. Kepka minus 110 to win the whole thing now. Rahm plus 160, and a tip of the cap to Sam Bennett, who's minus six. Started out 
2,001 odds down to 40 to 1 odds, and after that, Victor Hovland, right on down the line. I don't expect Brooks Kepka to blow this. We'll just leave it there. We'll watch it. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a long Sunday because uh, Kepka has actually, what, 12 holes to finish for round three, as does Rom, as does Bennett, uh, and then you've got the 18-hole uh, you know, remainder uh, the tournament for round four. Meanwhile, and this is interesting, this year's Masters winner will earn $3.2 million. That's the highest ever. And uh, the, 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 the prize purse for the Masters this year, a total of $18 million, is the highest ever. The Augusta National just announced that on Saturday. The previous record prize money total was last year $15 million. And uh, Scotty Scheffler, he won the green jacket last year. He won $2.7 million. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I covered... Uh, the, the you know the the whole concept of what the Live Golf Tour stood for last year, just from a matter of reportage, it wasn't taking sides. Wouldn't believe how many knuckleheads on Twitter losing their mind as if I was an agent for Live. Uh, you can play kill the messenger all you want, but these are the facts. This purse might be historic by Augusta standards, but it still pales in the 25 million purses uh, that the Live Tour has in all of their 54 hole events. And that's caused, uh, you know, a chasm among elite golfers when they launched last June. And Brooks Kepka, who's who's one of the, he's the leader in the clubhouse right now for the Masters title. Well, he won a live tournament last week in in Orlando, pocketed four million. So, live, L I V, which is the Greek, you know, numeral fifty four. Their tournaments are fifty four holes. They offer record prize money, guaranteed money, shorter events, and as such, they lured. Several big name stars from the PGA, in spite the concerns over the you know Saudi Arabian human rights issues. I get all that. Now the Masters is not a PGA Tour event; they stand on their own. It's a tradition like every other who has a tradition. I mean, they do pat themselves on the back, but it's pretty cool. I've been to the Masters. I actually have been there. I went there in 1999. I mean, that's a story for a different day. But the PGA Tour has banned LIV players from their events. And uh, look, this legal battle is going to end up in a courtroom next year in. That is that. So uh, I'm looking forward to an Easter Sunday, as I hope you all are, and as well as uh, the situation where I do believe the most likely, it's going to be a long Sunday. They should get it in Sunday. They haven't had a, uh, a Monday finish since 1983. Speaking of Monday finishes, the NBA, they wrap things up Sunday. And uh, the Eastern Conference pretty cut and dried. You know, you got Boston, Milwaukee, and the plan is set. However, the West is where all the storylines are. You have four games Sunday. By the way, all, all 30 teams will be in action Sunday. All right? And you know how this works. If you are seated 7 through 10, you're in the play-in tournament. You know, the one where LeBron wanted the guy who came up with it fired. Thanks for that, LeBron. Uh, bottom line is, here's how it works. The 7th seed will play the 8th seed. The winner is in. You're in the playoffs. <coughs> The loser of the 7 versus 8 game will play the winner of the 9 versus 10 game. The winner of that is in. So if you're a 9 or 10 seed, you're going to have to win two games. If you're a 7 or 8 seed, you just have to win one game. And there are four games that are going to really decide the remaining Western Conference playoff and play in seedings. And they're all going down Sunday at 1230 Pacific, 330 Eastern. New Orleans is at Minnesota. Jazz at the Lakers. Lakers a 17.5-point favorite last I saw. Clippers at the Phoenix Suns. Golden State at Portland. They all have implications. 
and I don't know that folks automatically are aware of what's happening here. So let's break it down. So you have a little, you can watch these games with a little context. Clippers currently have a record of 43 and 38. They're currently, if the season ended today, they have a number six seed because of a better division record than Golden State. Now, um, this may seem a little granular, but there's let's let's break this down. The Clippers, I would not necessarily feel like they're in the greatest of situations because if the Clippers win uh, Sunday, uh, they'll face the Phoenix Suns in the first round. The Suns are eight zero with Durant in lineup, and right now they could very well be the best Western Conference team, despite having the fourth best record. And part of that might be health of teams. And we're talking about talk with that. I talk about that with Mark Medina coming up at midnight. I'm really not so sure how healthy the Lakers are, and I realize Shannon Sharp is as short as no one wants to see the Lakers. I'm not so sure of that. I think the Lakers can shoot themselves in the foot. Um, I think they have a better chance of getting knocked out in the play-in game than they do of getting into the conference finals or getting into the NBA finals, but again, that's a story. This is a long haul, so we'll be covering all of it. The flip side, the Clippers lose. They run the risk of falling all the way to seventh, and then they might have to earn their way into a playoff spot through the play-in tournament. So the Clippers aren't in great shakes right now. And so that would happen if the New Orleans, Pelican, New Orleans Pelicans win and the Lakers and Warriors win and the Jazz and Warriors win or and the Jazz and Blazers win. If you follow all that, you're better than me. Golden State, also 43-38, and 38, interestingly enough. And they're in a number six right now, tied with the Clippers. The Lakers actually have the tiebreaker over the Warriors, but the Clippers have the tiebreakers over the Lakers. Pretty simple for the Warriors, though. Golden State completely avoids the playing tournament, just beat Portland Sunday. However, if they lose, they can fall as far as number eight. Now, they'd be the number five seed if the, if the Warriors beat Portland Sunday and the Clippers lose to Phoenix. But if the Clippers beat Phoenix, then the Warriors' best-case scenario is the number six seed. I'm, I trust the Warriors, actually. Uh, there's a pedigree here, and uh, I just get the sense the Warriors get it done against Portland, and that simplifies that. Portland will be your number six seed, and that's that. Lakers, 42-39, and 39. I give them credit. They fought down the stretch, unlike some other team that rhymes with uh, Dallas Mavericks, uh, which I'm going to excoriate later. Uh, but the Lakers need to beat the Jazz to have, just have a chance of not having to be stuck in the play-in game. So if the Lakers beat the Jazz, now they're going to need, they would also need Golden State to lose to the Trailblazers team, which I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet on it because it's my understanding Portland's going to sit most of their best players because they've been sitting most of their best players since they've been eliminated from playoff contention. That's just simply what you do. And this man's NBA, you just sit your players all the time. Now, a loss to the Jazz, if the Lakers were to lose to the Jazz, they would fall to number eight. They would have to travel to play at number seven no matter what. There's also one scenario where the Lakers win and still drop to number eight. But for that to happen, Golden State, New Orleans, and the Clippers would all have to win. So you got to pay attention to this Sunday which brings up the New Orleans Pelicans. Their scenarios are all over the map. They can actually finish as high as a number five seed or fall all the way to number nine. How does that happen? Because they're currently number eight, 42 and 39. But if the Pelicans lose Sunday, they drop all the way to number nine. Good night. Thank you for participating. We'll see you in the playing tournament. But if the Pelicans win, that gives them a shot to get as high as number five. But they'd need some tremendous help. There's a bunch of scenarios. Let's just put it this way. The Pelicans can't get the number five seed unless they win and Portland beats Golden State. Not likely. More realistically, 
New Orleans can get the sixth seed with a win and watch Golden State and Phoenix win. But I'm sure the Clippers will have something to say about that. Finally, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're locked into the play-in tournament no matter what. They're stuck at number nine, better than nothing. Obviously, they like to move up from ninth place to eighth or seventh, which would give them an automatic win and in scenario. But if the Timberwolves win and the Lakers lose, they can go as high as seventh. Should the Lakers win, though, the T-Wolves can only go as high as eighth. A loss locks him into ninth, which would set up a home date with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are locked into the 10th spot. I actually think I would rather see the Lakers play Minnesota than the Pelicans. The Pelicans will be without Zion. Uh, what a shock. I, I'm a big Zion fan, but he hasn't played since Nixon was president. At some point, that start to get, you know, get under somebody's skin. Uh, with him in the lineup, they're really good, and he's very dominating. But, you know, what's the old thing about availability? Well, he hasn't been available, at least to be on the floor. However, I think a Minnesota Lakers playing game would, would be very interesting, and I would have my spot marked out on the couch for that one. So I hope you followed all that. We may revisit it later. we got so much to get to tonight. Uh, we may need seven or eight hours, but I'm going to have to clear that with Andy Furman and Chris Plank, and uh, they're sleeping right now. All right, coming up, the great Tony Miller of the Golden Nugget. He is the He's a fan favorite. He's a sportsbook director there. We'll talk about all this stuff, and you remember Tony. He's been on the show before. Always a lot of fun. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the TireAct.com Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, Tyrac.com. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. This time, let's welcome in a gentleman, a fan favorite, a longtime fixture at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, and a good friend of mine, sportsbook director, Tony Miller. Tony, how you doing, buddy? Bernie, how you been, my friend? Good to talk to you again. It's it's so good to talk to you. We haven't talked since Christ left Chicago for crying out loud. I I gotta come by and see you. What are you, what are your days off? I gotta get over there to see you, buddy. Well, I tell you what, if you're ever here, I'm here for you. So yeah, anytime you come to town, let me know. I'll be there for you. I'm just a, I'm just a ten minute drive away, pal. So we got we got to make that happen. I miss those days. Oh uh, God, well, dang! If you're in town, yeah, for sure, let's hook up. Well, you know, I, you 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 do forget I live here. Did, did you, big fella? <laughs> I I, I, big man, you're all over the place. I don't know. I, well, that's you're, true. You're I'm famous, not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Trying to stay one step ahead of the you know the law. But Tony, let's. I got a lot of ground to cover. Before I look ahead, I want to look back. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's my understanding the handle on the on the. March Madness tournament was a little down. Is that partly due to the fact that you didn't have traditional blue bloods as you as the tournament went on, or, or am I wrong about that? Exactly, you hit it right on the head, Bernie. You're right. Uh, it was down this year for us at the Golden Nugget, but you know what? It was a great tournament, and you know when you had those underdogs come in like that, it, it's so exciting. And it was anybody's ball game, anybody's tournament this year. But you're right; it was handle was way down compared to past years and it's all because you know those big names just weren't there and and when you lose the number one seed like purdue right off the bat it really cuts into the handle and when those one season two seats were going down it hurt us pretty good on as far as the counter business went so uh let's uh talk about the here and now the masters is underway we haven't had a monday finish since 1983 when you see what's taking place which is what is taking place where play is halted uh, how does that affect you as a bookmaker? Well, it, it, it's kind of hard, you know, because we want to see this thing play out and be a good tournament and have some consistency as far as, you know, momentum goes. And it keeps halting because of the weather. But the other side of that is we keep putting up the odds every night. And so we can put up the odds for tomorrow. And if it goes into Monday, we'll put the odds up Sunday night, which we normally don't do. And uh, so it creates handle. And lets people get out there and still wager on the Masters, even though it goes into Monday. But, yeah, it kind of sucks because, you know, it, it's being halted like this so many times and really hurts the momentum of the game. Talking with Tony Miller, longtime sports director at the Golden Nugget here in Las Vegas, uh, a fan favorite. I, I, what I was kind of alluding to is, and I always tell people, read the rules. Read the sports book rules. Like if you got a ticket on a baseball game and it's rained out, it doesn't carry over to the next day, right? There are people have to read the rules. Every every house is different. So when a round three day is not finished on day three and it spills into day four, does does that affect any of the wagers? Yeah, you're right, Bernie. Different different sports books have different rules for their house rules. And my rules at the Golden Nugget is if you bet on round three, you're going to get paid for round three no matter when that day ends. So even though it might end tomorrow, the next day, or whatever. We're going to pay round three as it goes on and the future champion overall. So, yeah, but be careful. Make sure you understand the rules wherever you wager at. And um, that's a good point, man. you got to look at all those rules because they're all different. It feels like it's Brooks Kepka and John Rahm and everybody else, my understanding, heading into Sunday. Brooks Kepka minus 110 with his four-stroke lead. John Rahm minus 160. Are you seeing any tilted action on any particular golfer for Sunday? Uh, no, we, you know, we got some action last night on Rom. You know, he had some momentum going into the, into the round today, but, you know, you could see what happened today. Kept got a little bit more of a lead and, uh, 
uh, it's going to be. I think it's going to still going to be exciting, and I just don't think it's down to those last two. You got to look out for other guys coming up. Look at Phil, how he's playing right now, and Cantlay is coming up. So we'll see what happens in the next day or two, and uh, you know, it's going to be exciting. I think you know the Masters always is a always a fun finish. So if it hangs on the way it is, we're looking good in the book as far as the action goes, and uh, I hope it plays out really well and comes down to an exciting finish. Did you put a number on Sam Bennett? I saw some shops had him at. 2001. Did you have a number on him to start the tournament? We did. I had to put a number out there on all the amateurs. Always do. We had him at a thousand to one at my shop. Uh-huh. I had zero bets on him, but he's playing really well. And somebody to reckon with in the future. You know what? Uh, I don't see it in the cars for Sunday because he's eight shots back or seven shots back. But he's put together back-to-back 68s. Who knows? Anything can happen, right? Uh, but I, I doubt it would happen. Uh, yeah, buddy. When when you tee off with Rom and Kepcon. You know, like today, you, you know, your knees are banging a little bit when you're in there with those boys when your last group out there. So props to him, though. I hope he comes back. You know, props have been such a big part of the sports betting landscape over the last several years. It's picked up every year. I understand Tiger Woods was plus money, plus 175 to make the top 20. He's in 54th place. The poor guy can hardly walk. Wouldn't surprise me if he redraws. What kind of action did you get on Tiger Woods far the tournament any props people still fire on him yeah people love tiger you know he's got that name he's got that charisma and they're rooting for the guy who's been down and out and you know look what he's gone through in the last few years and the public is totally behind him no matter what the odds are no matter what tournament he's in they're going to back tiger and that's not just the masters that's all majors and from here on going forward they're going to back tiger no matter what he's a fan sentimental favorite and uh you know, it's a shame to see him what he's going through now. But, yeah, we put Tiger up there, and we put some big odds out there for him. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's tough to see what he's going through right now. But props to him, man. He made the cut. And he, yeah, yeah, 23 in a row. Even even Arnie didn't do that. Arnold Palmer missed the cut about 17 times. He played like in 40 of these things. Uh, Tony, one last thing regarding Masters. Uh, are any particular golfers standing out in, as far as liability for the books? You know what, uh, Bernie, the only golfer I had liability on was uh, Scotty Scheffler. And uh, believe it or not, he, he, he got a lot of play coming into this. And I know he's a, he's been hot lately, and he was the favorite going into this thing. But I had his odds a little bit higher. You know, it's a little bit different thing when you play the Masters. And even though he won it last year, he came in with a lot of play. So I didn't need Scotty. And uh, there's a few other ones out there, guys I know had no chance, guys like Freddie Couples, he's a fan favorite. He, you know, I mean, come on. Freddie had some big odds out there, and he's a big loss for us. And, of course, Tiger. Uh, but those were the big three for me. Yeah, it's interesting. Scotty Scheffler, uh, he was 10 under last year, uh, and he's he didn't embarrass himself. I think he's 3 under right now, but I don't think he's uh, going to be factor. Tony, one of the things I was really looking forward to talking to you uh, tonight, we're talking with Tony Miller, the sportsbook director of the Golden Nugget here in Las Vegas uh, given the new baseball rules and the propensity for offense, the shifts, the pickoff rules, the pitch clock, etc., how has that affected your ability at the book to put up numbers, specifically totals? It's tough, Bernie. You know, uh, I knew going into this year, you know, I mean, usually I put up a lot of props going into the MLB season. Stolen bases was one of them. And, you know, I didn't put it up this year because of the new rules, the bigger bases, the pickoffs, and, and all the things happening and the shifts and stuff. 
So I just wanted to wait a year. I took it off this year. I didn't put them up because I just want to see what's happening. And the offensive, uh, you know, stats are going to go up, and you can see it already. It's happening. The public is betting a lot of overs in these games. Baseball totals are going to start going up. They have to. And I think the hitters have a unique advantage over the pitchers right now, and uh, the public knows it too, and they're betting the overs. And so I'm kind of shading the overs in my sports book every day, and the overs are starting to come in. Yeah, they certainly are certain teams uh, right and left. So the next big, you know, I'm, what kind of handle do you expect on the NBA playoffs? And I'm guessing the next big event three weeks from Thursday, the uh, NFL draft. But, Tony, you're, you're one of the sharpest book, bookmakers I've ever met. You don't even, I don't think you even waste your time with the NFL draft props anymore, do you? <laughs> you know, Bernie, I didn't do it last year because the draft was in Vegas. And let me tell you, man, there was so much inside information going around. I didn't want to deal with it. There was a lot of players here. There was a lot of family members here. There was a lot of agents here. And there was a lot of inside stuff going on they had privy to that I did not. So I did not book it. I'm glad I didn't because I heard it was kind of a disaster around town for the NFL draft last year. So, yeah, I'll do it this year. It's not here in Vegas, but, yeah, it's it's a big event. And, of course, uh, no one can really blame you, Tony, if you put smaller limits because it's all about information, and it's not that hard to get. Finally, Tony, before we move ahead, you guys do such a great job with the Golden Nugget contests, college football, the NFL, uh, and, you know, it's going to be here before you know it. Oh, my, my goodness, right? We're already into mid-April. Uh, what have you got uh, cooking for the fall with respect to your contests? Yeah, we have a unique contest at the Golden Nugget where we mix pro and college football picks every week. Instead of five picks, you do seven picks. You can do college games, and I put every college game on the board along with the NFL game. So it's a fun contest. It's a good little contest, $1,000 entry, and uh, uh, it's getting very, very popular. And I'm gearing up for it right now. We're looking into it and uh, getting things ready and getting all the paperwork and applications set, and uh, we'll start gearing up for early sign-ups for that probably late July, early August. You guys do a great job with that contest. Tony? Great to talk to you, buddy. Happy Easter to you and your family. I'm going to get down to the Nuggets so we can hug. Bernie, you come down anytime you're ready, buddy. You're fantastic. What a great show. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate you, bud. That's uh, Tony Miller, the uh, longtime sportsbook director here at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. An absolute fan favorite if you ever get down to the Golden Nugget. I mean, Steve Wynn built that property back in the 80s, and it still holds up. It's beautiful. It's downtown where a lot of action is near on Fremont Street. Coming up, we just witnessed the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving completely punt on a chance of making the postseason. There's tanking and there's tanking, but I don't think the league has ever seen what Dallas has just done, and I'm about to put a size 11 up there took us. But first... Let's go to Kevin Weigert with the latest. Yeah, Bernie, the NBA is actually investigating the Mavericks for sending those players last night. So, yeah, it's coming. Uh, They, of course, lost and got themselves eliminated from the playoff chase. It might have to do with the fact that the draft pick they traded away is top 10 protected. Uh, Just a speculation there, but (laughs) it very well could factor into why they made that (laughs) decision. You think? (laughs) The third round of the Masters concluding on Sunday after play was suspended Saturday. Brooks Kepka in the lead by four strokes over John Rahm. Tiger Woods made the cut just barely, but he did so for a record 23rd consecutive time that he has played in the Masters. He now sits at nine over par. Justin Thomas, however, did miss the cut. 
The NBA regular season ends on Sunday. The Clippers beat Portland on Saturday, 136-125. That means they will avoid the playing tournament if they win at the Suns on Sunday's finale. Florida Atlantic, fresh off their final four appearance, giving head coach Dusty May a 10-year extension. In the Frozen Four, it's Quinnipiac capturing the NCAA men's hockey title with an overtime goal against top seed in Minnesota. Final score in that one, 3-2. Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks trailed the Dodgers 4-0 in the first inning, but they beat LA 12-8. However, Arizona starting pitcher Zach Davies leaving with a strained oblique. San Diego wins at Atlanta 4-1. Washington held on 7-6 to Colorado. The Yankees beating Baltimore 4-1. The Rays moved to 9-0, shutting out the A's 11-0. Boston, 14-5 winners against Detroit. The Cubs beat Texas 10-3. The Rangers committing five errors in that game. The Phillies with three runs in the ninth inning edged the Reds 3-2. The Royals scored a wild pitch in the ninth and won 6-5 at San Francisco. The Mets beat Miami 5-2. Pete Alonso in that game already hit, having his fifth home run of the season. Angels Win the late game against the Blue Jays, 9-5. to Mike Trout with a three-run homer for Los Angeles. Back over to you, Bernie. All right, thanks, Kevin. All right, folks, let's say you're a uh, Dallas Mavericks fan. Back on February 6th, you were a playoff team. You were, as of that date, the number four seed in the West. Then you pick up Kyrie Irving and you go all in. I'd like to thank the Dallas Mavericks for participating in the 22-23 season. Since they got... Since the Mavericks got Kyrie Irving, they were 9-17 and down the stretch. They were 8-12 and with Kyrie on the floor. And when Kyrie and Luka, the comedic stylings of Kyrie and Luka were together on the floor, they were a spectacular 5-11. and I can't say I'm totally shocked by that. You got two ball-dominant guys who don't play a hell of a lot of defense. Their point differential, minus two per game. The Mavericks were allowing their opponents to shoot 50% from the floor. They had the fifth-worst record in the NBA since February 8th. By the way, and this is even more delicious because Kyrie Irving's old team, the Brooklyn Nets, they actually made the playoffs. Not the play-in game, the playoff. That's right. The Brooklyn Nets are the number six seed in the East. They're probably going to get Philly in the first round. That's no prize, but they acquitted themselves quite well. Meanwhile, Jason Kidd, a guy I like, his shorts aren't clean either. Uh, he was towing the company line, tap dancing quite well last night, but even a couple of days ago, heading into that fateful game Friday night, which I'm going to get to in a second. Jason Kidd was talking about how, you know, Luka Doncic and, and Kyrie, they needed time. They, they, they needed time to gel. They needed time. you got to be patient, right? You do. It doesn't take any time to play hard. You can do that day one. You can do that minute one. doesn't play take any time to have a little desire on defense. That's what defense is, is desire. It doesn't take any time to hustle right out of the gate. And, you know, if, if you've ever been in the locker room at the University of Michigan, they used to have a, a sign up there on the wall that said it doesn't take any talent to hustle and be on time. So re irrespective of whether or not the hole was better than the sum of its parts with Kyrie and, and Luca on the floor at the same time, which clearly it was not, I am not buying for one second. They didn't have time to gel. 26 games is more than 25% of the season. And, you know, what's the old saying about the best ability is availability? How about responsibility? This team looked like a drunk crossing an icy street. It was pathetic to watch. And on February 6th, before 
getting Kyrie Irving. The Mavericks were the number four seed in the West. What the hell happened? Friday night happened. And this is not the first time Mark Cuban's professional basketball team has quit. And I don't think he's going to publicly admit it this time. And I like Mark Cuban. I asked for and was granted an interview back on November 19th, 2005. It was the one-year anniversary of the Mouse at the Palace. It was in Dallas. It was in his war room. The Pistons happened to be in town that night. He was great, man. He's a good guy. But I don't like what he did here. And again, this is not the first time Cuban, as an owner, has thrown in the towel. I'll explain. See, rather than go all in to make the NBA play-in tournament, the Mavericks, they decided to opt out, right? We're not going to pursue our postseason chances. They needed to win both of the remaining regular season games, I get that, for a chance to qualify for the play-in, but the Mavs decided to pass. They folded their hand, never even really gave it the effort you'd expect because several hours before the game on Friday night, the Mavs announced the following. Kyrie Irving, well, allegedly he has a right foot injury and he's recovering. Okay, I don't question injuries. Josh Green was going to sit. The reason? Rest. I guess he's got to rest up so we can rest up for the five-month layoff. Tim Hardaway Jr., left ankle soreness. Maxi Kleber, right hamstring, still recovering. And Christian Wood, rest. All of those players missed Friday night's game against the Bulls. And the only reason the Mavs didn't include Luka Doncic on the list is because April 7th was Slovenian night at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, which meant before the game and Mavs coach, Jason Kidd announced this, Doncic would play the first quarter so he could honor his country. He said the idea to rest the starters was, quote, an organizational decision. Well, not to be outdone, the Bulls, they sat some starters too. DeMar DeRozan didn't play. Zach Levine didn't play. All of a sudden, it looked like a preseason game in April. Now, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but just so you get the facts, ma'am, the Mavericks needed wins against the Bulls on Friday, and they would have needed to beat the Spurs Sunday, plus a loss by Oklahoma City against Memphis, to make the play-in tournament. Very doable. Very doable. I would have expected that to happen if the Mavs wanted it bad enough. And the Mavs led most of the game, and then they had a shot at a couple three-pointers that, that would have sent the game into overtime and didn't seem too hell-bent on on wanting to make those. And in the history, here's where this chaps me. In the history of the Dallas Mavericks, there have been worse seasons, but this has its own special brand of stupidity. Because the Mavs have gone from reaching the Western Conference Finals last year to tanking in one year. The Mavs are 38 and 42. Yes, they stink now. They didn't really in February when they weren't great. They have great defense. They gave up some assets. You think they'd like to have Jalen Brunson back? They think the fans would? But if you are telling me that the Dallas Mavericks are not the most disappointing team in the National Basketball Association this season, then you're not telling the truth. The Mavs, they are officially in lose-out mode. That's going to protect what they hope will be a top-10 pick in the 2023 NBA draft coming up in June. See, if the Mavs finish outside the top-10, the pick goes to the New York Knicks as the last play, a piece of the trade, which they used to acquire Kristaps Porzingis. Now, if you want to look at the positives in all this, let's try to be fair and objective. In a season full of negatives, here's the positive. 
Believe it or not, for you historians, the last time the Mavs tanked, they ended up acquiring Luka Doncic. I'll explain. That was a bit of an expensive process, but I think most Mavs fans felt it was worth it. Back in February 2018, you may recall, the NBA fined Mark Cuban after he made comments in a podcast. He went on Julius Erving's podcast <clears throat> and said, quote, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I just had dinner with a bunch of our guys the other night, and here we are. We're not competing for the we're not competing for the playoff. I was like, look, losing is our best option. History repeats itself. Deja vu all over again, Yogi. Adam Silver would not want to be hearing that. But the situation at that point dictated that Cuban explained it to him. They sat down. They explained what their plans were going to be that summer. That they're not going to. They would never tank again. And uh, this, you know, he. Mark Cuban admitted to Adam Silver at the time they've been working on tanking for a year and a half. He doesn't like it. It was kind of brutal. Cuban was half right. He shouldn't have said that. That led to Adam Silver fining Mark Cuban $600,000 for publicly admitting a reality that's become very common in pro sports. Too many teams flush a season down the toilet in order to secure that ever-elusive high draft pick. How often does it really work? Show me. Don't tell me, show me. And I get it, Major League Baseball teams have done it as well. But in this case, back in 2018, you could say tanking worked. They finished 24-58. and 58. They had the fifth pick with the 2018 draft. Remember, Atlanta selected Doncic with the third pick, but they traded him to Dallas in exchange for their selection, which turned out to be Trey Young plus some draft picks. But what happened with the Mavericks this year is totally different than happened back in 27-2018. That team had nobody including a poor old Dirk Nowitzki who was sold at the time his blood type was discontinued. The current team has Doncic. They had Kyrie Irving. When they picked up Irving in, in early February, they figured the playoffs were a given. Instead, a season that was looking pretty good turned horrible. And all of a sudden, what was exposed was a poorly built roster, which sort of led to the panic trade of Irving. But the long and the short of it is we realized that Dallas – needs more real players, they need more real defenders, and they've got a backcourt that, I'll be fair, have two guys who can score the ball at will, they get off the bus and shoot, Doncic and Irving, they're breathtaking offensive players, the team is still bad, the defense is horrible, and they don't rebound either. Other than that, how was it play, Mrs. Lincoln? They're so bad now, they actually think tanking is better than the play-in. And you heard Kevin's update, it's out there. There's going to be an investigation. What the hell that means, I don't know. We'll talk to Mark Medina at the top of the hour. What are they going to do? Slap him on the wrist, give him a fine? I don't think they're going to lose draft picks. So Dallas may have tanked in 2018, but if tanking really works, and even if you get a transcendent player like Luka Doncic, why are you doing it again five years later? And they did it for the whole world to see in front of God and everybody. This just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Coming up, two numbers, 9.9 million. 1.1 million. Or what? what is the significance? Well, I'll tell you. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bertie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada, take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Ton of stuff to get to. Top of the hour, Mark Medina, Medina Magic, our uh, Fox Sports Radio NBA insider. A tremendous amount to unpack. Uh, the NBA season concludes Sunday. We'll have our plan matchup set. We'll have the playoff set. Looking forward to it this week. Uh, in a minute, I will get to the significance of $9.9 million and the significance of $1.1 million. Uh, but first, I, I, I want to also let you know later in the show, UConn, I'm going to be giving you your flowers, man, in a, in a, in a big way. Uh, this year's NCAA tournament will always be remembered as the one where you, we, we thought every any team had a chance to win on any given game, right, except if you were playing UConn. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue. You, also, you saw all the other teams go down. UConn, the first men's team to ever win an NCAA championship by winning six games by at least 13 points. They put some in rarefied air. I mean, I know Michigan State won every game by 10 in the year, year 2000. Uh, Indiana, the, the great 81 team with uh, Isaiah Thomas, they won every game by, I think, 13 points, but they only had to play five games instead of six. We're going we're gonna to get to that in, in, in just a minute. Uh, let's also uh, give the due to the, the great uh, LSU Tigers women's basketball team. Uh, terrific game against Iowa. Uh, this is incredible to me, uh, a staggering. This is a staggering number. We're talking about women's basketball here, college basketball. That championship game last Sunday between LSU and Iowa, uh, ESPN announced, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, 9.9 million people watched that game. And I was one of them. I enjoyed it. Hell of a contest. Uh, that is more than any women's college basketball game ever. It's also more than nine of this uh, past seasons. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, you want to really put that in perspective? You know how much we love NFL football. NFL football's king, right? Okay. Well, we watched Thursday Night Football, even though this last year was a little different because it was on Amazon, but we found our way there. The Sunday championship game between LSU and Iowa had more viewers than nine of the Thursday night football NFL games this past season. That is saying something. That is a major moment. That's a seminal event 
that is what you would really call a volcanic moment for the sport. I really believe that. And the viewership number, what it does when people hear that, it changes public perception. It can change investment. It can, it can change the way advertisers look at it. It changes everything. And, of course, at the end of the game, there was a, there was a different side story that erupted, which I'm not even going to waste my time talking about tonight. And I still think that, that the game itself will transcend what happened after the game and the dialogue. And I thought the officiating was poor. The game still transcends that. What you saw were two supremely well-coached athletic teams. I have tremendous respect for Kim Mulkey. She's articulate. She's forthright. I think she could coach any team on any level, men's or women's. You know, I've always been a fan of Becky Hammond. I've interviewed her. I've never met Kim Mulkey. I will say this. I think either one of them could coach in the NBA. I really believe that. Just listen to them talk. Their knowledge of X's and O's, they're, you know, they understand the essence of the game, their grasp of the game, beyond reproach. Congratulations. That's quite a milestone event. I'm all about the story. That's what Dick Schaap taught me. I don't root for teams. I root for stories. Anthony Rendon, I don't root for. 1.1 million is the number. I thought he would be suspended for 20 games. You've heard me say it 100 times. I was in the middle of the malice at the Palace. I know how spontaneous combustion can happen. It ruined the Indiana Pacers franchise, set them back 15 years. So when Anthony Rendon was suspended only five games, initially there was a bit of a guffaw until I guess I start to realize. And by the way, Rendon was also suspended last year for five games for his part in a bench-clearing brawl against the Seattle Mariners in June. But I digress. And he got it reduced to four games. What it, you know, so the original fine, $1,190,476, because Anthony Rendon's salary is about $38 million a year and change. So for grabbing an Oakland A's fan by the collar and calling him the B-word and an MF-er and get the F out of here, that's going to cost him about a million dollars. I understand there's an ongoing investigation of the incident, but I don't know what, what that's going to entail because it's my understanding no victim ever contacted the Oakland Police Department, so don't know really what to say about that. Be that as it may, onward and upward, Anthony Rendon is a million dollars later. Coming up, Mark Medina, Medina Magic, lots of stuff in the NBA. Keep it locked right here. This is Bernie Fratto of Fox Sports Radio. We heard the man, the Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The NBA headlines are raging. Sunday is the final day of the season. We'll know our play-in matchups. We'll know our playoff matchups. And there are, of course, stories that extend beyond the court. So you know the drill. It's that time. Our guy, Mark Medina, every Saturday night at midnight. Medina Magic. He's our Fox Sports Radio NBA insider. And I look forward to our conversations every week, but even more so this week. Mark, how are you, buddy? I am doing well. I was at the uh, Clippers-Blazers game where the Blazers didn't really play any of their players the day after the Mavericks didn't play any of their players. So, fun times in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, uh, I I get where you're going with that. So, let's, uh, let's start with the elephant in the room. Um, Mark, on February 6th, the Mavericks were a playoff team. They were the number four seed. 
Uh, and what do we just witness? A team with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving completely punt on a chance at making the postseason. There's tanking and there's tanking, but this one's really bothering me. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's absolutely embarrassing. I mean, look, uh, the Dallas Mavericks aren't the first team to do this. They're not going to be the last team to do this. And you look specifically at this season, the Blazers are another example. But I think what made this even more egregious is the Dallas Mavericks still had a chance to get into the playing tournament. I don't think anyone was thinking, because of how disastrous this season has been, that they have a shot of winning a championship or even being a playoff contender. But if you have at least a chance to make the plan, you got to continue to play your guys. You can't have all these mass uh, injuries, quote-unquote injuries, play Luka Doncic for only a quarter and then sit them out so they lose against the Chicago Bulls. And so, as a result, the NBA had no choice. You know, their spokesperson, Mike Bass, said that, you know, they commenced an investigation of the facts and circumstances surrounding the Mavericks roster decisions and game conduct with respect to the Bulls-Mavericks game, including the motivations behind those actions. But look, Bernie, we can probably dissect the conclusion with this, with, uh, with this within a few minutes way quicker than the league did with commencing this investigation today. The Mavericks are guilty, and it's just embarrassing for the league. Bad look, and they should be punished for it. Hold that thought. I'm going to come back to that, Mark. Uh, here's my beef. Why do you go out and get Kyrie Irving in the first place if this is what you're going to do eight weeks later? What's the yeah. logic? And, yeah. And I have a part B to the question, but go ahead. Yeah, well, 100%. I think that clearly they didn't think about this going in, but when they saw that just – it's going to be a long haul to get into the playing tournament. And, you know, as far as winning a game, they decide, you know what, let's just punt and improve our lottery odds to roster build. But the reality is this, Bernie, when you have a chance to get in the playing tournament, it looks a lot better. I think it sends a better message to someone like Uka Doncic, who, you know, wants to see the Mavericks this offseason improve their roster. I think it also sends a better message to Kyrie Irving. And while there are questions about whether it's even ha good to have Kyrie Irving long-term in the first place, you don't want to be seen as a loser organization here. Um, so that, that's where uh, it, it didn't sit well with me at all. And I, I think the subtext of this, Bernie, I wouldn't be surprised if there was Mark Cuban's way of, you know, maybe protesting to the league a little bit and, you know, and, and flaming a little bit about their playing tournament in lieu of the fact that the Nick or in lieu of the fact that the NBA only slapped the New York Knicks with a docked second-round pick for their tampering with Jalen Brunson. But the reality is this, Bernie: the Jalen Brunson departure had much more to do with the Mavericks' failure to sign him to an extension than it did with any tampering. That's not to say it didn't exist with his father being part of the organization, but. Uh, if, if the Mavericks are much more proactive with retaining them, they wouldn't have gotten this predicament in the first place. Talking with Mark Medina, our Fox Sports Radio NBA insider. So here's my part B. And by the way, I, I, I'm not personalizing this. I actually interviewed Mark Cuban November 19, 2005 in his war room in Dallas. I love the guy. He's a good dude. But I don't like what he did here. And, and I know you remember all too well, Mark, Back in February 2018, when Cuban made the comments on Julius Irving's podcast about tanking, that got him fined $600,000, but it also got him Luka Doncic. But if tanking works so great, why is he tanking again five years later? What is Cuban thinking? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it did work with getting Luka Doncic, but at some point you have to 
build a better roster. And look, I, I do credit Mark Cuban. He's one of the better owners in the league. He's willing to spend. He cares about the team. There is a passion. The fact that he's quotable, it's good for the league because it gets guys like us writing stories. It gets the fans involved. <laughs> but even though they are willing to win, they, they have to really evaluate their decision-making process. I mean, look, uh, they've really struck out with you know getting guys like Christos Porzingis and trading for him. He wound up having injuries, didn't coexist well with Luka Doncic. Jalen Brunson, you know, he may not have been the same player as he was in New York because you know Luka's star power. He needs to have the ball in his hands a lot. And he has a heavy workload, um, but you got to be willing to spend when you see potential chemistry. And I think the other problem is this, uh, Bernie. They do show a willingness to spend, but there's a lot of skepticism around the league that when the Mavericks do have cap space, do they spend it wisely? And I think that that is something to look at this offseason. I don't think you know, the Mavericks are of interest in keeping Kyrie Irving a long-term deal. I don't think Kyrie Irving wants to stay either. So there is an opportunity for them to build a roster because they'll have cap space, but there is a wonderment. Will they use it wisely around the NBA? And uh, you know, so far they haven't had a good track record with that. Final thought on the Mavericks. Uh, I'm hearing whispers that there's a chance Luka Doncic may ask out, and I think he's going to give it one more season. But they're going to have that looming over their head now. What are you hearing about that, if anything? Yeah, I haven't heard yet that Luka Doncic wants to get out, but he's certainly disappointed. It goes without saying he wants to win, and he's certainly, I've been told, uh, in this wait-and-see mode this offseason, will the Mavericks build the right roster around him so he has the necessary help he needs? I mean, Bernie... He was considered in that MVP conversation earlier in the season because he was posting up triple doubles and just carrying the team. And, you know, I think that there are guys like Christian Wood, Tim Hardaway Jr. that were success stories. Maxi Kleber, these guys aren't scrub players. No. They're good role players, but you need much more than that to win in the NBA and much more than that to surround Luka with the necessary talent. So this burden isn't just on him, and he's playing all these minutes. And so... I think he's going to be in that wait-and-see mode. And look, Lucas, I've been told, is going to train a lot this summer to make sure that he's in tip-top shape and he's ready for next season. So as much as he you know, might need a brief recharge because of his heavy workload, he's going to get after it this summer, and he'll expect the Mavericks front office to do the same. Yeah, no, I, I think you'll give him one more year, but I think you have that looming. And let's face it, the Mavericks are really close to winning. All they need are defense and rebounding, Mark. That's it, just defense and rebounding. Yeah, and look, um, I think that that's a lot of things to, to I'm, fill, right? I'm being facetious, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they also need shooting. They need everything besides having a generational talent like Luka. And I think that here is an opportunity. They do have cap space, but here is a problem. They need to have a definitive second star, not a superstar, but an all-star that can complement Luka Dodgers. But how do they also have the depth so they're great defensively, so they have good role players? And that illustrates what happened uh, this past uh, half of the season after the trade deadline. They gave up some of their depth to get someone like Kyrie, Kyrie Irving because they thought, look, they can really work well offensively. And they just didn't have enough reps. I think in fairness to Kyrie, he did come with the right intentions. I've been told that he was a positive locker room presence. Um, but I think the reality is this. Even when you take that into account, 
usually star players can at least overcome some of those deficiencies so that they can still play well. Kyrie didn't always play well. They didn't have the chemistry with Luka, but at the end of the day, this really points to the top with how they constructed the roster. And so they need to address it this summer, or to your point, eventually Luka's patience will wear thin. For me, one of the most, uh, the subtext to this story that's the most delicious is Kyrie's old team, the Brooklyn Nets, made the playoffs. Not the playing game, <laughs> actually made the playoffs. And you're right, Kyrie was okay, but when you have two ball-dominant players like that that don't play a lot of defense, that's not a good mix. Which leads me to my final Kyrie question. What's the market for him in 23-24? Who would break the bank for this knucklehead? Well, look, uh, there's always a team that's willing to roll the dice. The Mavericks are the latest one, and all it takes is one. But, you know, that most uh, obvious potential landing spot, the Lakers, I think that they're like, you know what, we're good. Look what they did during the trade deadline with getting D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. Since the trade deadline, it's been both addition by subtraction with the Russell Westbrook fit not working out for both sides, and it's also been about – hey, they added good positional uh, needs with better shooting, better offensive dynamics, better defense. And I think when you look at the second half of the season, the Lakers are one of the best teams in the Western Conference. They're only fighting to get into the playoffs as a sixth seed or secure play-in positioning because their record was awful before the trade deadline. So I think as it pertains to next season, the Lakers are thinking, let's run this back. If you have a full season, they can really – make some serious runway, assuming, of course, that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy. But I think that they've shown this last month that, you know what, uh, discount them at your own peril. So it will be an interesting playoffs, to say the least, for them. I appreciate your opinion. I'm a doubting Thomas. I think they can shoot themselves in the foot at any minute. I do expect the Lakers to handle Utah fairly easily Sunday. Uh, I've already given all the one-if scenarios earlier in the show, so we don't need to go through all that minutiae. Let's talk about the Lakers. I expect them to play either the Pelicans or the Timberwolves in the first round. If you're a Lakers fan, who would you rather see them play? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that uh, the Lakers can't be choosers because of how vulnerable they are. Um, but I think if there was the the most ideal scenario, they get to the sixth seed so they avoid the playing tournament and they face the Sacramento Kings. And that's not to say that the Kings – our scrub team, they're a real deal, well coached by Mike Brown. He knows a thing or two about scheming against LeBron James because he coached him in Cleveland. They have one of the best offenses in the NBA. But you know what? Ironically enough, under a Mike Brown coached team, they don't play well defensively because of the team's personnel. In the regular season, they showed wasn't a big deal. I think much different uh, story in the playoffs. And as much as the Kings, they're not afraid of the moment, but they're not experienced in the playoffs, or the Lakers are. Uh, so I think that's the most ideal scenario. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's going to matter much more for the Lakers how healthy are LeBron and AD and how well can they stay, you know, uh, stay locked in in a seven-game series. I think you saw in this past week they played really good basketball, but a little bit of that attrition caught up to them in that loss against the Clippers because of fatigue. You wonder in the playoffs, even with, you know, days in between games and time to prepare, could that catch up to the Lakers? Uh, you never discount that because of the injuries they've had. But as of this point, they're as healthy as can be. That's a great point. Uh, I'm watching that closely with respect to the Lakers ending up uh, in the number six slot. That would require Portland beating Golden State Sunday. I don't, just don't feel like that's in the cards, Mark. So I think the Lakers are going to end up at the seven seed. 
regardless of whether it's Minnesota or Portland, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, say they win, although I think Minnesota would be everything the Lakers can ha- handle. Uh, and if Zion was healthy, they would be too. But yeah. that would mean they would play Memphis in the first round. What are your thoughts about a series like that? Well, I'll break down the plan. No doubt Minnesota, or no doubt that New Orleans is more ideal because Zion's not playing the plan. Minnesota, young team, they're flawed with giving up so much for Rudy Gobert. But Anthony Edwards, all it takes is for him to have a really great night to upset the Lakers. As far as the Grizzlies go, uh, I think that they're better than the Kings because they're more experienced. I think that they like to get into it. They're scrappy. They're, def- they're defensive-oriented. They have a lot of depth. John Morant is trying to get back in the uh, speed of things. But I think the Lakers could upset the Grizzlies, not just because of the reasons I mentioned, but the Grizzlies just get so consumed with the extracurricular and the you-know-what talking. And, you know, I think Dylan Brooks in particular, he's shown some Bush League moves in the last year, like the Gary Payton uh, hard foul against the Warriors. And uh, he's just been so consumed with trying to trash talk guys. that I think that that could distract the Grizzlies a little bit. But you know what? They're young. They get up and down the floor. They're not afraid. It would be a heavy haul for the Lakers to keep up with them, but I think that their experience could also help them in the long run. So it would be a compelling series. Could go seven, flip a coin. Yeah, it's a coin flip at best. Mark, great stuff as always next week. I would like to follow up on this, I see this in air quotes, investigation what are they do? <laughs> what, 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 involving the Mavericks is what I'm alluding to, of course. What are they going to do? I mean, maybe a fine. They're not going to take away draft picks. Even if they're guilty, what's going to happen? I think the investigation will confirm what we already know. The Mavericks are guilty, but what the punishment will be, slap on the wrist, a fine, and move on. I mean, that's, uh, that's how the, the NBA has done these investigations, and uh, I wouldn't expect anything to change. He's Mark Medina. Our Fox Sports Radio NBA Insider. Mark, great stuff as always. See you next Saturday at midnight. Look forward to it. Let's book it. All right, thanks, buddy. Again, Mark Medina, our Fox Sports Radio NBA Insider. We're about 12 hours away from a full slate of NBA games tomorrow night at this time. We will know who's in the play-in game, who's not, and who are in the playoffs. And I look forward to it this week. Even though LeBron wants the guy who came up with the playing concept fired, I want the guy to get a raise. Tell me you're not going to enjoy it this week. Coming up, I'm going to give UConn their flowers. Are they a blue blood? Well, I'll tell you. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tyrac.com. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Coming up about the hour, I'm going to give UConn their flowers. Are they a blue blood? Well, uh, I, I think they are. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Uh, in a minute, I want to first, I want to, I want to bring in Patrick and I want to bring in uh, Kevin Wired. I want to get their thoughts on the whole Mavericks situation because there are actually some people that defended Mark Cuban's move, so you never know where people stand. But I want to remind you, tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. And also Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Kevin, let's start with you. Uh, you. It's been in your updates. You know about the investigation. From a broadcasting standpoint, from a fan standpoint, any standpoint you want, how do you feel about what the Mavericks did so blatantly? I mean, I don't know what there is really to investigate. I mean, for as blatant as it was, I mean, as a fan, I understand wanting to possibly keep that draft pick being top 10 protected but at the same time it's not guaranteed that they'll fall in uh, to that top 10 range in order to keep that draft pick and at the end of the day if you have a chance to win a championship you push for it you push for it and with the tandem of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic I know they didn't play well down the stretch but I mean those are two talented players I mean if you're in position for a championship go for it I mean it's one thing if you're out of contention in January, and you're just playing out the string, and you're losing on purpose in a more subtle way to get the best draft pick possible. But when you're giving up a chance for a championship, I think that's crossing the line right there. Million percent. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm very much not a fan of them, you know, tanking on that last game just to get the pick, which I get. I understand the pick, uh, you know, trying to get like, you know, a top, top prospect or even say go up and get a top three pick. But you have Luka Doncic, and he's trying his hardest just to, you know, kind of, you know, win, make a legacy, and he's young, and doing that's just going to make him even more mad, and probably, and this is probably going to be the undoing and drive him away, and potentially, so I think that's a just absolutely dumb move that they did. So here's the reality, because I strongly believe the Mavericks committed the cardinal sin by losing on purpose in, in the hopes of a better tomorrow by trying to thread the needle and perhaps Steven Dora draft pick, you may never even get. So here's the reality. The 10th worst record means the Mavericks have about a 65% chance of getting pick 10 and about a 13% chance of moving into the top four. That means you have an 87% chance of this really not working, moving into the top four. But if the Mavs would have just simply won, they would have claimed the 11th spot. They would have only been playing against the long odds of winning the top four in the lotteries. What does that mean? It's a no-brainer. 
this is stupid. You play to win the game. You've got the Kyrie Irving era, which is going to end in a whimper. And listen, the, the Mavs were a legit playoff team back in February 6th. Then they bring in Kyrie Irving. It should have been a no-brainer they make the playoffs. We all know the old anything can happen, air quotes, playoff argument. And we know that the Mavs don't play a hell of a lot of defense. And the Mavs weren't going to get, the issues weren't going to get fixed with their current roster. And but, but, but I have to be honest and fair. I try to tell the whole story. There are people who don't agree with me. They feel that playing simply for an appearance in the playing tournament, that's just not enough. It was not enough to the Mavericks front office. They issued the tank edict because Jason Kidd and staff, they saw the, t- the product they had on the floor. They saw the roster was poorly constructed, really had no real chance of getting to the finals or maybe even winning a playoff series. But what's the message you send to your fans? This is embarrassing to lose a game on purpose when you still have a chance at the end of the year to go to the playoffs or the playing game, which is technically the playoffs, in my opinion. If the Mavs, you know, if they could have just forfeited the contest in advance and given the fans back their money, maybe that would be ethical. But the fans got cheated. They, they genuinely got cheated out of an honest competition. I can't justify that, especially when tanking, in my view, I have to be shown a hell of a lot of evidence. Where it, show me where it really works. I mean, I'm not accusing the Pistons of tanking. They're a proud franchise. They're like 16 and 64 going into Friday night. Man, they've had top draft picks for years. What have they done with them? And the truth of the matter is I just think there's an integrity of the game aspect about this in the NBA. I realize people argue every game should be treated with the same desire to win. The first important game should be just as important as the last game, should be important as the playoffs, whatever. And I also understand that tanking is a concept that is prevalent in other sports. But this was so blatant at the end, and this was, this was a situation where it just fell off a cliff so suddenly in the last, what, six, eight weeks, that if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, and again, Mark Cuban, who I think is a good guy, one of the better owners, has a body of work now. He did this in 2018. That's how they got Luka. So if this tanking thing works so damn good, why are they so quick to do it so soon, five years later? This is going to be interesting to watch. I think the investigation will be a big nothing. They'll get a fine. Whatever it is will amount to pocket change for Cuban. And now we'll watch the draft. And we'll watch who the Mavericks get and find out does this work heading into next year and what can they do to put pieces, parts around Luka that can defend and rebound and even some complimentary shooters. I don't think Kyrie will be back. I don't know why they want him back. He can play all that poorly, but come on. Everywhere Kyrie goes, the team gets worse. He's gone from Cleveland. They're, they're, they're in the playoffs. He's gone from Boston. They're in the playoffs. He's gone from Brooklyn. They're in the playoffs. He goes to Dallas. Not so much. You get the drill. Coming up. Yukon Huskies, one for the ages. Are they a blue blood? I'm going to give you my opinion. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest. Yeah, speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, the NBA saying they will investigate them for sitting players in Friday night's game, and then, of course, they lost and eliminated themselves from playoff contention. I don't see what there is really to investigate, seeing of how blatant it was and what they were doing, but the NBA at least launching the formal process. The regular season will end on Sunday. And with the Clippers beating the Trailblazers on Saturday, final score in that one, 136-125, with that win, they avoid the play-in tournament with a win against the Suns in Sunday's finale. The third round of the Masters, once again, the tournament has been suspended 
by inclement weather. They'll continue the third round Sunday morning, and then the final round will continue as soon as the third round is finished. Brooks Kepka at 13 under a four-stroke lead over John Rum. Tiger Woods, he made the cut for the 23rd straight time that he has appeared in the Masters. That is a record. He just barely made the cut, but he is in the weekend at nine over par. Justin Thomas missing the cut. Florida Atlantic with their final four run, giving head coach Dusty May a 10-year extension. In the Frozen Four, it's Quinnipiac capturing the NCAA men's hockey title after they beat top-seeded Minnesota 3-2 on an overtime goal. Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks trail the Dodgers 4-0 in the first inning, but they come from behind to beat Los Angeles 12-8. However, the Diamondbacks, their starting pitcher Zach Davies left with a strained oblique. San Diego, they beat the Braves 4-1. Washington holds on 7-6 at Colorado. The Yankees beat the Orioles 4-1. The Rays, they're 8-0. They haven't lost yet. Shut out the A's 11-0. Boston beats Detroit 14-5. The Cubs beat the Rangers 10-3. And the Rangers did themselves no favors in that game. They committed five errors. The Phillies scored three runs in the ninth to beat the Reds 3-2. The Royals scored a run on a wild on a run in the wild. Run on a wild pitch in the ninth and won 6-5 at San Francisco. The Bets beat Miami 5-2. Pete Alonso hitting his fifth home run of the season. The Angels, led by Mike Trout with a three-run home run, beat the Blue Jays 9-5. Back over to you, Bernie. All right, Kevin. Uh, props to the UConn Huskies. You know, I don't know if any of you guys saw the movie 80 for Brady. I have not, but I, I think I might. Um one of the actresses in that movie uh, is a lady by the name of Lily Tomlin. She's had quite a career. She once said, you know, I always wanted to be somebody. I just wish I'd been more specific. The truth of the matter is, who are the Yukon Huskies? Are they a blue blood? What is the blue blood definition? And if someone is a blue blood, do you just simply have a God-given right to be a blue blood for eternity in college basketball? Why do I say that? Because you always hear... The usual suspects, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, Indiana, UCLA, they're probably the college basketball teams that are most often associated with the term, quote, blue blood. But more now than ever, there's been an ongoing debate about who deserving blue bloods are and what blue blood actually means. Now, the term itself is no mystery, according to the NCAA. The first reference to the term blue blood was done in a Brooklyn newspaper clear back in 1927, and it was copied and used in other publications throughout the decades. And what it would, the idea behind the concept of referring to a college basketball program as, quote, a blue blood, is that it puts you in that rarefied air. You are characterized as being an elite class of the college basketball programs, an elite class. Now, there's really no concrete history for the you know current definition of the term or how it's applied to the current application of blue blood or is there really any consensus anymore on which teams are blue bloods hence the arguments because even though you've now gone through decades of frankly national irrelevance uh, over the last 20 years for the blue bloods like indiana and ucla they're still considered Blue Bloods. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but it's become sort of a lifetime achievement award. Indiana was their last championship, I believe, was 1987 when Keith Smart hit that shot against Syracuse. UCLA's last champion, I believe, was 95 with Jim Herrick. It's a long time. They're still considered Blue Bloods. The Bruins, for instance, 
Now, they have won three more national championships. They've won a total of 11 than the next closest team, which is Kentucky. But like I said, Bruins haven't won one since 1995. There's even a wider agreement on the other four teams. Throw in Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. They're automatically Blue Bloods in March Madness. Even though, let's take a look at what they did in this most recent tournament. North Carolina, well, hell, they missed the tournament for the first time since 2010. And this is after they, re they won it all last year. That's hard to do. Well, maybe it's not so hard to do, but they did it. It's never been done before. Duke lost in the f second round. Indiana lost in the second round. Kansas and Kentucky both lost in the second round. UCLA lost in the Sweet 16. So these traditional blue bloods, North Carolina, Duke, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, and UCLA, none of them even got past the Sweet 16, yet they are still considered blue bloods. North Carolina didn't even make the tournament. They turned down an NIT bid. But you're proud for that. That's your, that's your choice. So now, with UConn heading into the Final Four, there was a debate. This is a team heading into this year that had won four championships since 1999. It was debatable now. Is UConn, was UConn, is UConn a blue blood? I don't think it's debatable anymore. I think it's undeniable. UConn now has as many national championships as Duke and Indiana. Blue Bloods. UConn has more national championships than Kansas, Villanova, and Louisville. All premier programs. By the way, I bet you didn't know this. The Huskies are only the fifth team in the history of the tournament to not only win all of their tournament games, but win all of them by at least 13 points. The last team to do this 42 years ago, Isaiah Thomas, Bobby Knight, Indiana in 1981, they won all their games by 13, but they only had to win five games, not six. Overall, the Huskies had a plus 120 tournament point differential, which is as good as you're ever going to find, good for fourth of all time. And just to give that some perspective, I covered the 2000 Michigan State team, Tom Izzo. Uh, that was the Mateen Cleaves team, Mo Peterson. They beat a very good Florida team in the finals with Teddy Dupay and Mike Miller and Udonis Haslam. That was a hell of a tournament. Michigan State won all their games by 10 points or more, but UConn won theirs by 13. Regardless, I'm just putting them in the, in the rarefied air. When you do something in this nature, it's hard enough to win six straight games in a do-or-die situation, one and done, win or go home, but to win them all and dominate the way they did. Look, Gonzaga, say what you will about Gonzaga. They had the number one offense in the country. UConn beat them by 28. By the way, not for nothing, UConn, the seventh team in history to win it all after they started the season unranked. You heard that, unranked. By the way, the first since the UConn Huskies also did it with Kemba Walker back in 2011. They started that season unranked. And if you recall, they had to win like six, seven straight Big East tournament games before they got into the, the actual tournament, and they beat Butler in that defensive struggle in 2011. Blue Bloods, UCLA's got 11. Kentucky's got eight. North Carolina's got six. Those are the only programs in the entirety of college basketball 
that have more titles than the Yukon Huskies, who now have five. By the way, for you Yukon fans, or you innocent bystanders, Yukon's only been to the title game five times. Yukon is a perfect 5-0 and in title games. That's the most wins without a loss of any program. Are the Yukon Huskies a blue blood? You tell me. I say yes. Coming up, we've heard a lot about the pitch clock. We've heard a lot about, you know, the baseball rules, which we're going to get to a little bit later. We've got real data now. But believe it or not, the pitch clock is also having a byproduct on technology in the game of baseball. I'll share with you what's happening there. It's a little wacky. It's a little weird. It's a little George Jetson. If you get my drift, there's a reference for you. Look it up if you don't know. Baseball and technology is no longer baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. It's baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and technology. I'll explain what's going on. Thanks to the pitch clock. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, Tyrac.com. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Shout out to my sister, Linda Johnson, listening in Mission Viejo, California. Great tennis player, Division One tennis player. She'll kick your butt. No joke. All right, Linda, have a good Sunday. Have a good Easter Sunday. All right, the baseball pitch clock has been all the rage, and we know why. Offense is up. People are stealing bases. Uh, the uh, not only are stolen bases attempts up, but the, the success is up. The length of games down to two hours and 38 minutes. And uh, so it's all been to the good, right? But as you know, one thing leads to another and another thing leads to another. And now you have this thing called Pitchcom. Well, what is Pitchcom? So 
PitchCom is the byproduct of the pitch clock, which is doing a lot more than just speeding up at bats. In some cases, it's actually changing how pitches are selected. I will explain. PitchCom was a device that was introduced last season, and it allows uh, catchers to electronically call pitchers in an effort to combat sign stealing. Now it can be used by pitchers, too. We talked about this last night uh, on my show with Larry Sorensen, 10-year Major League Pitcher. I told him I wasn't real fond of it. He's cool with it because the game evolves, but I have always believed that baseball is a thinking man's game. All right? I'm basically a simple guy. Seriously. I mean, last night, hell, I had a Lunchables for dinner. And I, I, I'm simple in, in terms of how I conduct my life, right? Uh, you, you typically will never see me go to a drive through Why? Because all I want to do is get my Happy Meal and hit the road quickly, but it never fails. I'm always behind somebody who's ordering dinner for the fifth fleet, and then they pay with the spare change from their piggy bank, and I'm stuck there waiting. I never go to ATM machines because every time I go, I just want to get my 200 bucks be on my way quickly. Never fails. I'm always stuck behind somebody who's trying to orchestrate a leverage bank buyout on an ATM machine. I do my best to avoid these situations. Sometimes I lose focus. Baseball's a thinking man's game. When you add this kind of technology, it levels the playing field a little bit. Sign stealing is legal as long as you don't do it electronically. By the way, the natural tension in the middle of a game, now you've got the pitch clock, where the pitcher and catcher aren't always on the same page, underneath is the defense, and you're affected by the crowd, or you're affected by a base runner that's bothering the defense. These are things you have to adjust to. But now you've got this wristband device. It's got buttons for different pitch types and locations. You press your button. It's almost like going on your app and ordering food from DoorDash, for crying out loud. Then you press it. It relays a call to the receiver. You've got an earpiece worn by up to five defensive teammates. Last year, you had a situation, the catcher would make the call, the pitcher would receive it, he'd either shake off the pitch or gear up to throw it. This season, the pitcher can make the call, which, you know, the powers to be in Major League Baseball, the necessary change, they believe, is evident because of the advent of the pitch clock, because now this gives pitchers less time to shake off signs. I get it. You want to speed the game up? Okay, add the technology. The pitcher can call their own game. You're not wasting time shaking off signs. That way there's less pitch violations, which there have been a few. And so I understand the ideology. I understand the concept. A little bit of intrigue here. For decades, catchers always called, made this, well, you call them a suggestion. The pitcher can shake you off, right? But, you know, baseball's been played for, you know, 150 years on the major league level is, you know, youth level, high school, college. In college, usually the pitching coach calls the pitches. But it's always been the catchers making the call, and then pitchers, you know, they'll shake you off or they'll accept your call, but the catcher makes the call. Uh, but that's changing. Uh, take Shohei Otani. In his very first start, he wore the device and he was so fast, he, he would call his pitch, the catcher would know, he'd get the signal in his ear. He was, he, he, Shohei Otani was going so fast, he was actually issued a warning for pitching before the batter was set. Now, back in the day, we call that quick pitching. Got, you know, umpire, usually fairly friendly to the batter, uh, 
but you get one foot in the box, and if you fiddle around too much and the umpire says play ball, pitcher can throw the ball, quick pitch, get the ball, quick pitch before you're ready. That's not legal either. Now this takes quick pitching to a new level because you have a pitch clock. Imagine that. Pitchers were worried about making a pitch, you know, not under the deadline and, and having a having a ball called against them because they didn't get a pitch out within 18 seconds. Now they're doing it so fast. So what happened was Otani, he wore the device under his sleeve. It's near his armpit instead of on his wrist or his forearm. And he memorized the keypad. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> Told you baseball's a thinking man's game. So now you got Shohei Otani with the stuff he's got. He can call his own pitchers and work fast, throw strikes. Here's the big picture. The pitch clock is really working as intended. Games so far are 28 minutes shorter than last season, and it's now it's creating an additional game within the game. This is kind of a novelty. So what's going to happen next? Who's going to work to game the system? I think pitchers will continue to test the limits. Even Roger Clemens, who knows a thing or two about pitching, he believes that you could see pitchers intentionally commit clock violations to get an upper hand, meaning they're going to throw the ball before they're supposed to, catch the pitcher off guard. Any way you slice it, the pitch clock is working, and now you have this pitch timer. It's called pitch Calm. Pitchers are calling their own games. They're wearing technology. The defensive players can hear them. The catcher, you know, he's got a signal in his ear. Too much technology for my blood. But the main goal of the pitch clock was to cut down on the length of games, and it's really working. Fans, there's more action. There's more balls put in play. They like it. Last year, the average length of all games, two hours and 38 minutes. Um, no, that's this year, two hours and 38 minutes. Last year, the average was three hours and three minutes. Actually got as high as three hours and 10 minutes in 2021. So you've got a situation now where the average game is half an hour less than it was two years ago. And the Astros have played the longest games this season because of their offense. But the Miami Marlins actually had a game last week. Sandy Alcantara threw a complete game shutout against the Twins. An hour and 57 minutes. That's only happened six times in the last 10 years where a game was under two hours. The times they are changing. Baseball is changing right along with it. Coming up. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. What's happening? What's next? We've got the timeline and some specific dates. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We've got a ton of stuff to get to. An hour from now, the dance sensation sweep of the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed by What My Name. Of course, we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com. I also want to remind everybody, tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get in multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection at one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. As we see here today on April 9th, Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer. Even though, remember, he said he wanted to play for the Jets uh, in the 2023 season at the on the Pat McAfee show a few weeks back. And I think most folks believe that's going to happen. Uh, there is a standoff. It's going to last a little longer, I believe. Yahoo Sports' Charles Robinson 
uh, a guy who's very respected. He reports he thinks the Jets and Packers are getting closer. I think there's some real stiff negotiations going on between the two sides, primarily over draft pick compensation. So it turns out the Jets are reportedly willing to part with a couple of high draft picks for Rodgers. Looks like it would be a second-round pick maybe this year and a potential first-round pick in 2024. The key word with the 2024 pick is potential because I think the Jets are hoping to tie the conditions to the pick that would protect them in case they don't make the playoffs or Rodgers retires after one season. So this is a complex deal with a lot of moving parts, a lot of money involved, and when it comes right down to it, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy situation. And so it's, it's, it's really anybody's guess when you have to realize that when you have this much money involved and you have really sort of the futures of two franchises that are probably going in different directions, don't really know what the future holds until this deal's either consummated or not consummated. Everybody's kind of in limbo. But there are some key dates. You have to watch these dates. Their first one is only eight days away. April 17th, believe it or not, yes, future always has a way of arriving ahead of schedule. The Jets have an off-season program. The Jets will begin their off-season program April 17th. At that point, in a perfect world, let's face it, they would really like to have Rodgers in the fold. That would give him ample time to start to familiarize himself with the personnel, the teammates, the offense, the offensive line, maybe the receivers, what's, you, you know, et cetera. And I get it. I know what you're thinking. What the hell? Rodgers has skipped the Packers offseason programs in multiple recent seasons, so he might not even attend the Jets program. That said, the Jets would still like to give him that opportunity and ensure that they at least know they've got their quarterback for the 2023 season as they kickstart preparations. Jump 10 days after that. We're talking two weeks from Thursday. The NFL draft, yes, it's upon us. The NFL draft begins April 27th. This is really a much harsher deadline of sorts because and I wouldn't call it a hard deadline, but there's no denying that both the Jets and the Packers would like to know their plans and what available draft compensation they will have on hand before they make their selections in round one. Now there's a group think echo chamber consensus. Am I predicting this? No. We shall see. A lot of folks believe this rolls right up until the draft, and then round one is in the books, and somewhere on that, you know, in the midnight hour after the round one is in the books and before they start drafting in round two, this trade could finally happen because it's really about 2023 draft picks, and you got to use them, and in order to use them, you have to, ha you have, to have them, and if they don't get that done, well, I don't know what happens next. But the, the, the key is, is if the Packers want 2023 draft picks included in the compensation for – Aaron Rodgers, that's going to necessitate getting a deal done either before the draft begins or certainly no sooner than the beginning of the second round. I do not believe there's any scenario where the New York Jets would give Green Bay their first, draft, first round draft pick in 2023. Possibly for 2024, maybe you have a situation where Green Bay is willing to, or the Jets are willing to part with a second round draft pick in 2023, but a first round draft pick in 2024 or multiple 2024 picks. But, again, if you're Green Bay, you kind of want immediate payoff for those assets because you're parting with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And uh, I'm not convinced Jordan loves ready. Don't tell me. Show me. Even Aaron Rodgers said when he got that text back in 2008 when Brett Favre moved on, says, you got the keys of the car. Are you ready? And Rodgers admitted. 
And this is a confident guy with a lot to prove and a chip on his shoulder. He'd already had that impressive game where he made his debut in Dallas on Thursday Night Football. He looked fantastic. He looked the part. But even he admitted it's different when they hand you the keys to the car. And it's all of a sudden your baby and you say to yourself, am I ready? I'm not sure. Because you can't be sure until you actually get under center in front of 75,000 people and the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe and the real bullets start to fly. Then you know. And before then, you don't know. You can only simulate it. Now, Green Bay would like to get higher picks from New York if they can get 2023 draft capital in exchange for Rodgers. And right now, the Jets are slated to pick 13th in the first round, but they also have the 42nd and 43rd picks in the second round. This is interesting. I still think the Jets will drive a hard bargain, and most of the draft picks they give up are going to be from 2024 or the latter half of 2023. So you got a bit of a stalemate. But I think you have the framework of a potential deal to be done right around the draft. That's a deadline of sorts. It's not a hard deadline. But if it gets close to the first day of the draft and no deal's complete, I, I believe that the Jets will push everything to 2024. And, uh, you know, there, there you go. Because the Jets are also going to want to get more draft capital to surround Aaron Rodgers with, with the additional talent they already have, which is a very good defense. And a good running game, assuming Brees Hall is healthy and some good young receivers. Which leads us to May 1st, another deadline. This is Jordan Love's fifth-year option deadline. You told us you think Jordan Love is ready. Well, why haven't you picked up the option on Jordan Love and his fifth-year option? That's the Department of Redundancy Department. Okay, The Packers do have till May 1st. They might still do it. they got to make a decision on Jordan Love. They can choose to exercise this fifth-year option or not. Allegedly, they seem poised that they're going to do that, the Packers, but they may not want to do it if Rodgers is still on the roster and this deal faces uncertainty. I have always said there's a possibility, I'm not predicting it, but there's a possibility this trade could actually sink under its own weight. Don't, don't think that can't happen. It can happen, but I'm not predicting it's going to happen because they're pretty far down the road, but you just don't know. If a trade does fall through, Rodgers decides to play for the Packers again, and now you've re-upped Jordan Love, you're going to have nearly $75 million in cap space tied up in quarterbacks for the 2024 NFL season. That is not a number any GM can deal with. That is what you call salary cap hell, and again, you're putting yourself in a position where it's hard, it's very hard to surround yourself with more talent. You can never have too much talent or depth in the National Football League and you don't want to end up in salary cap hell. The next big deadline is June 1st. Now, here's what the significance of June 1st is, meaning that if you trade Aaron Rodgers after June 1st versus prior to June 1st, let's say the Packers go through the NFL draft and the Jordan Love deadline without having traded Rodgers. Now they might say, okay, we might as well wait to June to make the deal. Why? Because once June 1st passes, the Packers, they get to spread the uh, Aaron Rodgers dead cap hit over two seasons as opposed to having to absorb it all in 2023. So let's look at the numbers there. If the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers before June 1st, they'll take a dead cap hit that is mm, about 40, almost $41 million. And if you trade uh, Rogers after June 1st, then you have a little bit more budget space to work with. The Packers would absorb 
about a $15.5 million cap hit, dead cap hit in 2023. Now, again, they're not getting off scot-free. They're still going to take that cap hit of $40 million, but $24 million would be pushed ahead to 2024. That may feel like it goes down a little easier. But, again, there's issues with that as well. Because although that would benefit the Packers short-term, as they would have more you know, cap space available, which would potentially give them the opportunity to build around Jordan Love. The problem is you defer some of that cap dead, uh, dead cap hit into 2024, then that's going to just limit your, your spending capabilities in 2024. Uh, so maybe you take the hard hit all at once as opposed to kicking the can down the road. None of these decisions are easy. None of them. So that leaves the next big deadline which is a real deadline. Training camp eventually is going to begin. We are already into mid-April. We are about 90 days away from training camp essentially commencing in the National Football League. Now, see, the NFL hasn't announced when training camps are going to open in 2023, but teams, you know, they tend to begin their camps mid to late July. And by that point, obviously the Jets, the Jets now I'm speaking of, they would have an absolute increased desire to have Aaron Rodgers on the roster for obvious reasons. you got to prepare to play with your new teammates. Dude's almost 40 years old. You don't just you show up. This isn't Sandlot football. I don't care what anybody says. Now, the Packers, they would also want to have some confidence that they can move forward with Jordan Love as their starter. Otherwise, you're going to have this looming threat of Aaron Rodgers hanging around, starting, which, I, again, I think it would be weird. It might be a little uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you this. It wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world if the Packers had to go into next year and have a Hall of Fame quarterback. What the hell are the Jets going to do? Oh, yeah, you may have heard this last week. They signed TB12. No, not Tom Brady. They signed Tim Boyle, who also wears number 12. He wore 12 with the Lions. Kid out of the University of Connecticut who's found his way to the NFL. I tip my cap because a UConn, he threw one touchdown pass and 13 interceptions, transferred to East Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, but now he's in the National Football League. So your quarterbacks on the roster for the Jets are Tim Boyle and Zach Wilson. And how was your day? So there really isn't a financial incentive to get the deal done by training camp, but from a practical standpoint, this has got to be, I would think, the final deadline that makes sense for both teams if they don't have a deal by mid-July. But I'm telling you, look how fast time flies. We are on April 9th. Go back three months. We are at January 9th in the throes of the NFL playoffs looming with the Super Bowl looming. looming. Fast forward three months, we're in NFL training camps. The future always has a way of arriving ahead of schedule. And then, of course, the final deadline, September 10th, that's when the season begins national football league season begins if trade hasn't happened by that point the odds are mostly likely to me that each team at that at that juncture would have found uh, an alternative solution and technically speaking this would be the hard deadline for trading rogers why because now it's about the money rogers does have a fully guaranteed option bonus of 58.3 million but that must be exercised before the first game of the season. So you would think the option, uh, the decision to pick up that option would be made well in advance before the start of the NFL season, or at least have some sort of agreement that could be reached. The Packers don't really want Rodgers on their team anymore. That's what they're telling us. 
They can hold out hope they can trade him right up to the first game of the regular season. That seems like a bit of a pipe dream. Why would the Jets be that desperate? They already look desperate to me, if you want my opinion. I, I strongly believe the Green Bay Packers have the leverage here. Because if this deal doesn't go down, what's the Jets' option? Jets got a damn good team. They've got a top 10 defense, a top flight running back in Brees Hall. Assuming he's healthy, outstanding receivers are well coached. They've got a culture. Uh, I think the Jets are a playoff team next year. Absolutely a playoff team. And if Mike White hadn't got hurt last year, he probably would have been a playoff team last year. So you want Aaron Rodgers. They've already said they want Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers said he wants to play for the Jets. Who's the pressure on the Jets? If the Jets don't make this damn deal, they're holding nothing, man. Judge Smills, you're getting nothing and like it. So the Packers are playing hardball. They set basically a very exorbitant price. That is exactly why this is taking so long. The Packers, they're going to hold out. They're going to get as much as they can for Rodgers. I get it. At a certain point, they're going to want to have to guarantee they no longer have to want to worry, you know, about carrying the financial burden of his contract too. But anyway, he sliced it. They're going to take a hit. So what do you do? You pass the baton to Love, give him a chance to run the team. I would say this. People closer to the situation much closer than I am, believe that this resolution will happen well before the season and before training camp. We shall see. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what people smarter than me say. Is there really a date the Packers should trade Rodgers? Mike Tannenbaum, who I think is a very respected former NFL executive who also works for ESPN, but he also, remember, was once the Jets general manager. He basically said it's an everybody's best interest to get the deal done sooner rather than later. You need a deadline typically, but he thinks that the off-season program is the first deadline. That's really the first deadline. Well, I just told you what that date was, April 17th. That's actually before the draft. I like the way Tannenbaum thinks. Tannenbaum's a really smart guy. I think he understands cost-benefit analysis, risk-reward, and I think he is a, a shrewd guy when it comes to Really understanding, uh, you know, the, the, the residual effects of whatever decision you make. But until something happens, you've got nothing more than rumors, innuendo, and you better be patient. Because you've always got to be patient with Aaron Rodgers. Remember, he's been there 18 years in, in Green Bay. And all I can say is this, that when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, genuinely, please, truly expect the unexpected. He come out of his darkness retreat. And he said he was 90% retired. That would be a huge red flag for me. Then he found out that Green Bay didn't really want him. He's, oh, okay, I'll show you guys. Same, same chip on his shoulder he's had since high school, where he went to Butte Junior College, went to Cal, toiled under Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that always believes he's got to do three times as much to get half as much respect. He's got that fire. He's got that chip on his shoulder, and I don't think it ever goes away. And I can certainly relate to that, but I will say this. We don't really care when he wants to drink everybody else through it. It's getting bored. This is the third year in a row. But it's getting juicy, too, because the stakes are high and too many people have talked, and you can't unring that bell. Coming up, let's see what the crew says. Let's bring in Pat, Patrick uh, Suica and, and Kevin Wyatt. I don't know if they're Aaron Rodgers fans or not. I don't know if they've ever tried ayahuasca. We'll have a little come to Jesus here and figure out what their thoughts are on the whole Aaron Rodgers saga and whether or not what is going to happen next. I think you know where I'm going with that. By the way, at the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. 
everything you've earned doubled seriously see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match i'm bernie fratto we're coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio tire studios keep it locked right here you're listening to the bernie fratto show on fox sports radio at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com. Fox Sports Radio Studios here in Las Vegas take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Remember, top of the hour, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. The dance sensation sweep of the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed by what my name. By the way, at uh, oh, 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. Coming up uh, right after... Uh, Kevin's uh, update, I'm going to give a movie review. I can't recommend highly enough the movie Air, the movie Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, the story of how Senna Vaccaro pursued Michael Jordan to put Nike on the map and frankly changed the world. The life lessons in that movie, incredible. And it was very entertaining and used the power story to share with you one of the more noteworthy events in the history and annals of American sports. All right, Aaron Rodgers, when the hell are they going to get this damn thing done? Uh, let's start with you, uh, Patrick. you think it'll be done by the draft? Uh, I actually believe that it'll be done uh, right during the draft, actually. Like, right, maybe as, like, you know, they're heading into the first or second round and, like, or maybe like an hour before the draft happens because we all know that like you know trades are always going down leading up to the draft and all that good stuff it'll be literally right around the draft if something were to happen if nothing happens after the draft uh, i think we have a problem maybe <laughs> well uh i I, th- I agree with you that uh, by the draft is includes during the draft because if even it happens between round one and and round two that i can still i still consider that being during the draft but then you've got the next big key date after that, and that, of course, is uh, May 1st when they have to decide what to do with Jordan Love. Do you think they have it done by then? 
True. Yeah. No, they have to decide with uh, his. Uh, I believe just what they're going to do exactly with him. I would think if they don't do it by the draft, that would probably be your first uh, look into the life of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That uh, if they're actually going to, you know, stop playing chicken and actually, you know. Yeah. Get get on with their lives. That They're, would be the big one right there. Yeah, they are playing chicken. Uh, good word. We'll come back to you in a second. Uh, same questions. Kevin, uh, Wired, do you think they get this deal done by the draft? I, I, I could see it getting done right around the draft, uh, much like uh, Patrick said. Uh, I think if they don't get it done by the draft, then what they do with Jordan Love by May 1st will indicate whether or not a trade is close or not. Because if they do uh, pick up his option, then that, that's a good indication that even if a trade isn't completed – they're at least confident that something can get done because, as you said before, that'd be salary cap hell if they were to pick up Jordan Love's option without trading Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to look for the draft to see what happens there and then from there look at see what, what they do with Jordan Love. Yeah, no, that well said. Uh, so let's ask both of you guys the same question. Uh, who blinks first, Patrick? Do the Green Bay Packers uh, blink first or do the New York Jets? I 100% believe that the New York Jets are going to be the ones that are going to blink first, not the Packers. If that happens, you might see the draft deal situation because they might say, okay, hell with it. We'll give you a first-round pick for 24. We'll give you a second-round pick for 23. Uh, That might get it done. Now they have their quarterback, and they they can look ahead. Uh, Patrick, how about you? Uh, Do you think – who do you think blinks first, Jets or, or Packers? I think it's definitely going to be the Jets because they've sold their fan base too much, I think, on it, too hard on getting Aaron Rodgers, and if they don't get him, what that would do in regards to selling their upcoming season because they have a very good team. They just seem like seems like they're a quarterback away, and with all the public overtures they've been making about Aaron Rodgers, I think all the pressure is on them to get a deal done, while the Packers, on the other hand, I think they're content to make Aaron Rodgers play for them for an extra year. Even if it doesn't seem like it'd be a very tenable situation, I think if they don't get the uh, the type of compensation they feel that they can get for someone like Aaron Rodgers, that they're content to just keep him for the year. One last question, uh, Kevin, stay with you. What percentage chance you give it this whole deal falls through? I would say it's 60-40 in favor of the trade happening, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decent chance that it does fall through, though, in yeah, my opinion. I, I'm in agreement. It's, it's not a lock. I think it's well over 50% that it happens because of the, I would say, the, the writing on the wall, as it were, the tea leaves. But that doesn't mean this thing can't still sink under its own weed. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Patrick, you got the last word on this. What percentage do you think this, this falls through? I think that the base for having the 60-40, like Kevin said, is absolutely perfect, but I believe that that uh, margin will widen uh, as the weeks lead up towards the draft. It'll become a little more like from 60 to 40 to, well, 35-65, and you know, it just starts getting a little bit, as the weeks go by, it'll start kind of getting a little bit higher. All right, coming up, if the Jets do get Aaron Rodgers, which it looks like they will, what's the comp in terms of... How much better will the Jets actually be with Aaron Rodgers? Teaser alert, they should actually be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers. I'll explain coming up. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest. Yeah, busy day of Major League Baseball. The Rays moved to 8-0 after they shut out the Oakland Athletics 11-0. That's the best start in franchise history. They're the last remaining team who has not lost a game this season. 
Boston beats Detroit 14-5. The Cubs beat the Rangers 10-3, and the Rangers did themselves no favors. They committed five errors in that game. The Phillies scored three runs in the ninth to edge out the Reds 3-2. The Royals on a wild pitch in the ninth, they score and beat the Giants 6-5. The Mets over the Marlins 5-2 with P. Alonzo hitting his fifth home run. The Diamondbacks trailed the Dodgers 4-0 in the first inning, but they come from behind to beat L.A. 12-8. But Arizona, uh, they lost their starting pitcher, Zach Davies. He left with a strained oblique. The Padres beat the Braves 4-1. Washington holds on to beat the Rockies 7-6. The Yankees beat the Orioles 4-1. Mike Trout with a three-run home run for the Angels as they beat the Blue Jays 9-5. In the Masters, once again, suspended because of inclement weather. The third round paused until Sunday. They'll play the rest of it Sunday morning. Then right after that's done, they'll play the final round. Currently, it's Brooks Kepka in the lead at 13 under. He's four strokes ahead of John Rom. Tiger Woods making the cut. That's the 23rd consecutive time he has made the cut in the Masters, in, at least in which the ones in which he's played. That is a record. He's currently nine over par. Justin Thomas missing the cut. The NBA investigating the Dallas Mavericks for sitting players in Friday night's game. Of course, they then lost and then got themselves eliminated from playoff contention. They did have a top 10 protected draft pick that they set, so uh, that certainly very well could have factored into that decision the NBA is investigating. The finale of the regular season is Sunday, one of the Games of note, the Clippers with a chance to avoid the play-in tournament if they can beat the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers on their heels. They've got a home game against the Utah Jazz. Book over to you, Bernie. All right, thanks, Kevin. All right, so how much will Aaron Rodgers actually help the New York Jets? Well, if past his prologue and the historical NFL data is accurate, he should help the Jets a lot. Here's why. There are a couple of scenarios. The first scenario is Rodgers joins the Jets and their offense improves, but because of growing pains, they rank somewhere not in the top 10, but definitely in the top 20, so somewhere between 10th and 20th. If you go back the last 22 years, when you look at that profile, and here's what I mean by that, because the Jets have a top 10 defense. And whenever you have a scenario where a team has a top 10 defense, and an offense in the top 20, but not in the top 10, somewhere between 11 and 20, those teams make the playoffs 75% of the time. And believe it or not, there have been plenty of teams in the last 22 years that have done quite well, where they were very good on defense like the Jets are, and they were good on offense, but they weren't special on offense. The 2003 New England Patriots. Made the Super Bowl, the 2012 Baltimore Ravens, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. All three of those teams not only just made the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl fitting that profile. The 2003 Carolina Panthers, they fit that profile. Even though they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, that was that Jake DeLone team that played Houston, high-scoring game. But Carolina was not a top-10 offense. They were between 10 and 20, but had a top-10 defense. The 2010 Pittsburgh Steelers and 2006 Bears and 2021 Bengals also fit into that bucket. All of them made the Super Bowl even though they didn't win. So even if Rodgers just comes in and the offense gets between 10 and 20 and they stay with a top 10 defense, the Jets are a whole new different looking Jets. This is a 
simply a world that Jets have never inhabited. And, and they're close to having it now. And, uh, you know, you would presume that Rodgers would have success with his offensive coordinator, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. But I think the ceiling for the Jets' offense potential gets much higher. But the second scenario, what if Rodgers is able to bring this offense together quickly and the Jets become a top 10 offense to go along with their top 10 defense? Well, there's quite a profile for this. The 57 teams in the last 22 years fitting this profile reached the playoffs 95% of the time. 25% of them actually got to the Super Bowl, and eight teams actually won the Super Bowl, including the 2020 Bucks with Tom Brady. So this is where it gets real, and you can see why the Jets want Rodgers. Because when you have a top-10 defense and a top-10 offense and a Hall of Fame quarterback, these numbers don't lie. You not only make the playoffs 95% of the time, 25% of the time you get to the Super Bowl, and eight of those teams, so you're winning the Super Bowl, what, 16 70% of the time? That's a pretty good number. Who are the comps? You know, you got to, and what do I mean by that? Who, where has there been a similar situation, right? Well, there's always the caveat because Russell Wilson, his experience in Denver last year has become a serious cautionary tale. But I think Rodgers is, is a lot better uh, than Russell Wilson. And is, for as good as Wilson once uh, was in Seattle, the Seahawks, they, they had kind of a complimentary style. Wilson, he never received a single MVP vote while he was in Seattle. So he's become kind of a tier two quarterback. Rodgers has won multiple MVPs. So even if Rodgers slipped a little from last season, he's still a tier one quarterback over the last couple of years. He's won two of the last three MVP awards. Yeah, he's older, but I think he's got gas in the tank. Maybe a more comparable comparison, Brett Favre's side with Minnesota when he was 40 in 2009. That's a relevant cop because Favre was coming off his first down season. Remember, he went from the Packers to the Jets. And then they reunited him with his former Packers quarterbacks coach, Daryl Bevel, who at that time was coordinating the Vikings offense. The coach was Brad Childress. That was a good Vikings team. But you remember, why do you ponder passing? That was a good Vikings team, though. And in his first season with Minnesota, Favre actually set career highs in completion rate and yards per attempt. And he had a very good passer rating. And Favre had some decent receivers to throw to. Sidney Rice. He also had Adrian Peterson, Percy Harvin. And so that's a that's a more comparable comp, as it were. I think it would be so cool to see the Jets make a Super Bowl run. I just do. Um, I'm not a fan, but it, I, I love the story, and I'm, I don't root against him either. I just think it would be a cool story. Obviously, Tom Brady in 2020, that's the ever other obvious comp, because Brady, who, you know, much like Aaron Rodgers, was ending a long relationship with the team that drafted him. Brady was coming off a down season in 2019. They were questioning, people were questioning whether his Tom Brady decline had finally come. And obviously it did not come because the Bucks had some high-level receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Also, Brady was able to get Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. That didn't hurt. Rodgers actually produced at a slightly higher level more recently than Brett Favre did in 2009. And even Tom Brady entering in 2020, he's also a couple months younger than Favre and obviously much younger than Tom Brady and he doesn't have a lot of hard miles on his body, but he doesn't look young either. The truth of the matter is the odds say that if if Aaron Rodgers joins the New York Jets, they're going to the playoffs. I get it. There's a downside. You don't know how Rodgers is going to handle New York. They'll criticize him for the way he pontificates. He, you know, he might be weird during press conferences, and New Yorkers will eat him up. But I would not, you know, these are warning signs, but I would not 
underestimate Aaron Rodgers' ability to navigate through those waters. By the way, there's one antidote for that. Just play well. Just play well, and if if the Rodgers experiment works in, in, in New York, what a story, what a success story. And I think by now, when you really look at it, when you compare what the Jets are faced with if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, this is a bet the Jets need to make. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so quick to try to go cheap with the Packers. Draft choices don't work out a high percentage of the time. So you give up a couple of draft choices, you move forward, you got a team on the field ready to win now. Be a little bit careful. Don't get too greedy. Coming up, you know, football is being played right now, the XFL. They're actually doing something that's quite ingenious, it's quite innovative. The NFL might want to take note of. I'll tell you what it is coming up. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Frado Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios, Tyrac.com. Top of the hour, brand new fool. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed by what my name. All right, XFL football is all the rage or not, but they're playing it, and I sample it. But what I do pay attention to are perhaps some innovative, newfangled uh, ideals that they have adopted. You know, think what you want, but, you know, the, the NBA basically copied everything the old ABA had except for the red, white, and blue basketball. And the NFL has copied a lot of what the USF had, including the, the the challenge rules and many, you know, right on down the line. It took 128 of their players. So all of a sudden the XFL has something that, frankly, the NFL should take note. I don't know if anybody, anybody who's listening to this show tonight or that watches the National Football League is is pleased with the way that they execute the replay method process, okay? It's not that we have replay, which is probably good for the game. You want to get it right, but the way it's executed is slow, clunky, maddening. We don't like it, and it's it's vague. But what has the XFL done the first few weeks of this 2023 season? Viewers have actually gotten what you would call an inside-the-booth look at replay reviews when calls are challenged, and then they're actually examined as to whether or not they're going to be upheld or overturned. Now, this isn't just the play-by-play announcer or the color commentator reviewing the slow-motion replays from all the angles with the broadcast rules analysts. No, these are, <laughs> these are done by people, a guy that's a familiar face and a familiar voice to many NFL fans. You know the name Dean Blandino? Well, Dean Blandino is the XFL's Vice President of Officiating and Rules Innovation. Now, here's what's interesting. When you go to replay booth in the XFL, you get to see Dean Blandino do his job. You get to see how the sausage is made. Now, Blandino's good at this because he's accustomed to being on camera. You see him as a rules analyst for Fox's programs on the NFL and certainly even college football coverage. But on XFL telecast, Blandino actually has the final say when there's a disputed call. But TV viewers get to watch him. They get to see him render that judgment. So all of a sudden now, the XF, XFL, they've adopted a replay process that you do not get to see on NFL broadcasts. Replay officials are never shown on TV in NFL games. 
nor are you privy to their communications. So you've got communications going on between the on-field officiating crew, you got the league office in New York, and viewers, not only will they never be privy or they have not been privy yet to the NFL dialogue, viewers aren't even allowed to see the camera angles replay officials are looking at in NFL games. You're looking at replays, you presume you're seeing the same images as uh, what the officials are seeing, and you're presuming that what we see on television is identical to what the officials are watching when they review angles, when they determine what to do, when a call challenge has been, you know, put forth. So from a TV standpoint, you have to give the XFL a little credit. This is actually very innovative. These broadcasts, they provide information, they provide entertainment. That, obviously, the NFL and certainly college football, their telecasts don't include that. And since football itself kind of lacks the performance, I'm talking about the XFL, the XFL brand of football, it doesn't lack, I mean, it doesn't feature the performance that you're going to see in the National Football League. You can clearly discern that. So the XFLs, they realize it. They've got to give the audience something that they don't get elsewhere. So it should not be a surprise that fans and a lot of critics and media types have responded to the XFL, and they've applauded the transparency. They like this review process because the XFL is willing to give people uh, a glimpse at something that's absolutely been hidden from view from fans. And the replay reviews basically have made the XFL, um, well, let's, let's put it this way. It's provided the XFL a lot of publicity, very good publicity during the first several weeks of play this year in 2023. So Dean Blandino now, he's actually hoping he sees the response to what the XFL is doing and that the NFL takes the opportunity to also show fans why particular calls are made and what went into the decision-making process. Blandino has said it himself. He said he really loves the transparency. There's no problem with it. He loves that the fans and, and anybody who's watching the game on TV or listening, they can hear, they can listen in, they can actually eavesdrop on the replay process as to what they're doing. Dean Bland, Blandino, who's, you should know that name if you watch NFL games. You, of course you do. And he has the authority and I think the pedigree to speak on such matters because there's no question. Dean Blandino spent a long time at the NFL. And he understands this concept, and I think this is the most intelligent part of this whole ordeal. Dean Blandino really feels that if people don't agree with the call, period, it's really difficult to convince them why and how after the fact. If they don't agree with the call, it's very difficult to convince them why and how after the fact. But when they can see it actually happening, they might not agree they might not always agree, but now they have a better understanding. And it gives them a better overall feeling about officiating. That's happening in the XFL. Ultimately, I think Dean Blandino feels that if you do this in the NFL and you show more uh, replay review on NFL telecasts, that will increase credibility with the fans. More importantly, it would even create a better TV product. You can't deny that. And I don't think anybody can deny that the credibility of NFL officiating is at an all-time low. 
it's the topic of fodder. It was after the Chiefs-Bengals game. It was during the Super Bowl. You get the drift, okay? For one thing, by the way, because NFL's become so specialized, there's a lot of dead air time to fill. So all of a sudden, you're waiting, waiting, waiting for the replay. You make a sandwich. You go out front. You mow the lawn. You wash the car. You come back, and you're still listening to the broadcast crew speculate as they watch the same replays over and over and over in the audience, and they don't provide much insight. They really don't. The replay official could go over that same footage. You'd be able to hear him communicate with the referees in the league offense. All of a sudden, you've got real substance there. These are people who do this for a living. There's no speculation. It's the actual ruling being made. It's the actual sausage being made. You show that replay review process, that's going to bring drama to an NFL telecast. It could be one more aspect of the game that all of a sudden the fans have one extra reason to really love the NFL, not just betting, rooting for your favorite team, or having something to do on a Sunday. This provides genuine, legitimate sports content. The XFL is, frankly, supposed to be a testing ground for the NFL on rules of this nature. They've already done it with tiered extra point attempts. And they've talked about the offense. You can convert a fourth and 15 from the 25-yard line instead of doing an onside kick. So think about it. This is just another innovative rule. You show replay reviews. It would be a part of a collaboration. And the intention here would be to try something that the NFL could adopt if it continues to yield positive results. Fans have spoken. They love it. The sports media, they're actually they're intrigued. I'm intrigued. Now, I can't say this is a no-brainer for the NFL to carry this over because the NFL is still stodgy. I don't think Goodell's going to go for it. I don't know if the teams will go for it. But if they did, I don't really see the downside because they can show the replay review on TV. It wouldn't be too difficult to do. What's the downside? What's the hide? Who are you protecting? People want transparency. Come on, NFL. Think about it. At least think about it. You've made a lot of innovations in the last 50 years. This is just one more on a variation of a theme that you're already doing, and you don't do it very well, and everybody knows it. Coming up, what kind of brand new fool are you, followed by what my name? Keep it locked. This is the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Well, you heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, here we go, folks. You know, we live in a great country, and it's a fascinating world. But every day, every hour, every week, time goes by, and somebody does something so foolish, so weird, so stupid. Sometimes innocuous, sometimes nefarious, sometimes criminal. But any way you slice it, any way you add it up, we leave ourselves with the same conclusion. Asking ourselves, what kind of brand new fool are you? What kind of fool So, what kind of brand new fool are you? Oh yeah, baby, it never fails. Uh, this one is short and sweet. But it uh, it really it really I get a I get a kick out of this one. I guess I get a kick out of all of them. Uh, but this one will take us to Euclid, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, Cleveland, one of my favorite cities. And the only name we have here is Gary. So uh, Gary uh, must have been hungry, 
because um, he decided that he would, uh, you know, pop into what you would call a giant eagle grocery store in South Euclid, Ohio. And uh, Gary uh, helped himself to about $498.41 in merchandise and food and all kinds of goodies. And according to police, a manager at the Giant Eagle grocery store spotted Gary leaving the, sh- leaving the store with a shopping cart full of unpaid groceries and merchandise just last Saturday. And uh, the female manager reported the incident to the store security, who then saw the suspect get into his getaway car. What was interesting is Gary must have been in the mood to really take care of his chores that day because as he was escaping in his getaway car, he decided to stop at a nearby car wash. Yeah. What was interesting is if you're been in the car wash and there's a bottleneck and one car gets stuck so you get trapped between several others and you can't move, well, that's what happened to poor old Gary because... He went to a car wash that happened to be very busy, and he got stuck in the bottleneck, which enabled the manager to call the police, that enabled the police to get to the car wash and arrest the suspect, who, by the way, has a body of work. He had an outstanding warrant in South Euclid, Ohio. They charged him with theft. They also arrested, even had a getaway driver, who also had outstanding warrants with the Lakewood Police Department. So Gary steals $500 worth of merchandise, wants to escape in a clean car, didn't budget for a busy car wash, gets caught by the cops, and even had an outstanding warrant. So did his getaway driver. Couple of fine gentlemen. All I can say, once again, it leaves me scratching my head and asking, Gary of Euclid, Ohio, what kind of brand new fool are you? Kevin, you're up next, buddy. Well, this one takes us to Michigan. Hey! No one should ever impersonate a cop, but it's not a good idea to pull over an actual cop if you're going to do so. A Michigan man arrested this week after authorities say he posed as a cop and unwillingly attempted to pull over an off-duty police officer. Christian Caton Mansour, 18 years old of Macomb Township, who was not a police officer, was driving a BMW and flashed red and blue lights during an attempted traffic stop of a Waterford Township officer who was off the clock around 11 o'clock Monday evening. The incident occurred in Rochester Hills, a suburban community about 30 miles north of Detroit. That's a nice area. The sheriff's office said Mansoor positioned his BMW behind the off-duty officer, and when Mansoor drove past the officer, she followed him to confront him. And during a confrontation, the officer identified herself as a police officer and asked Mansoor for identification. He claimed he was a Detroit police officer (laughs) from the 12th Precinct. She asked him for identification, and he said he needed to retrieve it from his car. And as soon as he went to his car, he took off and drove away. She followed him to a trailer park in a community about eight miles away. Lost sight of it, but they later saw him uh, switching license plates from one vehicle to another he owned. So it just got worse from him. Uh, He was arrested a short time after that. So want to say... what kind of brand new? Brand fool Brand new are you? fool. I was going to look for his name yeah. again. Christian Caton Mansour. What kind of brand new fool are you? Good, good job. By the way, uh, of course, I lived in Michigan many years. Rochester Hills, very nice area. Uh, there's a very famous pop star from Rochester Hills, Michigan. She actually went to Rochester Adams High School. Her name, Madonna. 
She went to Rochester Adams High School. My buddy Fred Human went to high school with her. Fred, I know you're a night owl. You might even be listening. Fred's with CBS Sports in Detroit. Yeah, that's a good one, Kevin. I actually saw that one, and uh, I got a kick out of it. You know, you're going to impersonate a cop. You pull over cars. You pull over another cop. You're a damn fool on multiple angles. All right. Uh, Patrick, you've done this game before. What do you got for us? Uh, all right, Bernie. All right, Kevin. We're going to take a trip down to Europe. And by Europe, I mean jolly old England, where a singer named Rocker Brocarde says she wants out of her marriage after just five months because now her husband is stalking her. Here is the uh, caveat, uh, caveat about it, though. Her husband is a ghost. Not not lying about that, by the way. Uh, apparently, what? yes, she is married to a specter, a ghost, a ghoul. Casper? Casper, the, you would think. His name's not Casper, apparently. His name is Eduardo, and she's now considering bringing an exorcist to get him out of her life. Uh, apparently, she met him on Halloween. He's a Victorian soldier, and they hit it off. And after five years of marriage, or five months of marriage, uh, she's at the end of her ropes because now he is constantly tormenting her and uh, not very happy that she wants out of their marriage. So instead of uh, marriage counseling, this she wants... Yes, this is real. I will send you the link to this, Bernie. I mean, I've heard people say, hey, man, you're seeing ghosts. But she's literally seeing ghosts. She's, Go ahead. She's married to the ghost, saying it's uh, her, ghost is, her ghost husband was her lover, too, to be fair. So, I mean... She and prior to this, she said she did not believe in ghosts. Uh, I guess she's a believer now, after all. Uh, they been, they were married on Halloween night uh, and honeymooned in Berry Island, but it was doomed from the start. So uh, what, that leads me to <laughs> it believe. was doomed from the start. But they made five months. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Gotta hope she's not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we would certainly hope. I don't know how that would work, but all right. But uh, that leads me to believe, uh, or leads me to say, Rocker Bro Carday, what kind of fool are you? I, I, I love that. I know there's a Stephen Wright joke in there somewhere. All right, good good, good stuff, guys. Another rousing edition of, of uh, What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You is in the books, which leads us to our second favorite bit, which we lovingly refer to as What My Name Mark Ramsey, right on cue. All right. Now, I'm going to tell this story later in the show. I told it last night. Remember, Saturday was April 8th, and on April 8th, 1974, the great Hank Aaron hit home run number 715 to pass Babe Ruth uh, to be the all-time home run champ, or all-time leading home run champ at the time before Barry Bonds passed him. But let me not get too far astray. So on April 8th, 1974, Hank Aaron hit the 715th home run to pass Babe Ruth. But I was on deck, and you'll know my name. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? On deck, early 70s, uh, Atlanta Braves. That's a pass on that one. Ugh. All right, at least you, but you sized it up pretty good there. I thought you were going to get it. All right, April 8th, 1974, Hank Aaron hit home run number 715 to pass Babe Ruth. I was on deck at the time. Patrick Suica, what's my name? What is Joe DiMaggio? Not correct, but I like the effort. It's actually Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, the current manager of the Houston Astros. Okay, so the Masters got rained out, as it were, Saturday. But they haven't had a situation where the Masters spilled into Monday. It wasn't completed on Monday, 
since 1983. The last time the 1980, the last time the Masters was decided on Monday was 1983, and I won. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? I'm guessing that's the year Jack Nicholas won after a while. Oh, that's another great guess. No, it's not that. Jack Nicholas actually did that in 1986, I believe, at the age of 46. Good job. That's a famous one. Uh, 1983 Masters. Last time it wasn't decided until Monday. Remember, it got washed out here Saturday and again today a little bit. So if they don't finish up today, it'll get spilled into Monday. The last time that happened was 1983, and I won that year. Patrick Sweeka, what my name? Who is Greg Norman the Shark? You guys are coming up with good names. That's not the correct name, but I appreciate the effort. Not bad. It's actually a guy by the name of Seve Ballesteros. You guys know that name, Seve Ballesteros? No, no. I do not. I have to ask my dad that if, one. If you, yeah, yeah, oh, your dad will definitely know. He was a great golfer. Again, this is this is going back 40, 40 years, guys. All right, but good job. All right. I'm a famous NFL quarterback, and I just bought a minority ownership in the Las Vegas Aces WNBA team. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? Uh, repeat the question. I'm a famous NFL quarterback, and I just bought a minority stake in the Las Vegas Aces WNBA basketball team. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? Derek Carr. Not Derek Carr, but I see the linkage. I'm a famous NFL quarterback. I just bought a minority stake in the Las Vegas Aces WNBA basketball team. Patrick Suica, what my name? What is Carson Wentz? Well, I, you know, you even went Jeopardy on me there. What is <laughs> I'll take quarterbacks for 50, Alex. It's actually Tom Brady. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yes, sir. All right. In my illustrious Major League career, I have the all-time record for having received 688 intentional walks. Kevin Wire, what my name? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that once again? Sure. In my illustrious Major League Baseball career, I hold the record for the most intentional walks, 688. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? Pa, I couldn't even give me that. No problem. In my illustrious Major League Baseball career, I have received 688 intentional walks. That's number one all time. Patrick Suica, what my name? Mike Trout. Not Mike Trout, but he's had a few. It's actually Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. I can't believe I missed that one. All right, let's have fun with this one. I'm right behind Barry Bonds. I rank number two in receiving all-time intentional walks in my illustrious Major League Baseball career. Kevin Wire, what my name? I'm guessing Babe Ruth. Not Babe Ruth, but you're closer than you think. All right. I'm second behind Barry Bonds in receiving intentional walks in my illustrious Major League Baseball career. Patrick Suica, what my name? I'm bringing it back to Joe DiMaggio. Not a bad guess. It's actually Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was right behind Barry Bonds. All right, here's a beauty for you. I'm a current Major League Baseball manager. I have the distinction of once smoking a joint with Jimi Hendrix. Kevin Wire, what my name? I'm guessing Dusty Baker. You're guessing correct. Dusty Baker. Outstanding job, guys. An outstanding job by Mark Ramsey on all the imaging. Right on cue, spot on, tight as hell. That's how we do it here on the Bernie Frater Show. All right, good job, guys. Good job. Interesting, wacky, weird stories. Ghosts, goblins, you name it. 
Oh my goodness. Impersonating cops, driving through car washes. I don't know. I never get tired of this. We get great comments every week about what kind of brand new fool are you. Coming up. You know, teams aren't lining up to sign Lamar Jackson. They're lining up to say no thanks to Lamar Jackson. Well, why? What are opposing teams? What are opposing general managers saying? By the way, folks, at the end of your first year, Discover Credit Cards automatically doubles all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled seriously. See terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live. Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio. Tyrac.com studios take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. I want to remind you, tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I said all along, I believe Lamar Jackson, his fight is misdirected. He's focused solely on the guaranteed money. History shows that elite quarterbacks, top-tier quarterbacks like him, when they sign a top-tier deal between the age of 25 and 27, they collect the full amount of the contract about 90% of the time. Because given today's medical advancements, quarterbacks almost never have career-ending injuries, nor do they really get cut. So, if Lamar would have signed that $250 million deal, yes, it says on paper is guaranteed 133 but if you play it out the five years, keep your nose clean, straighten up, fly right, keep continue winning games, being the elite dual-thread quarterback that you are, you probably would have collected the whole amount. Look, the Ravens' intention all along, they want to provide Lamar with a traditional deal, not that whack-ass outlier Deshaun Watson-Cleveland Brown deal. No one's getting that again. They're just not, because... 
it doesn't work for both sides, and it's not working for Cleveland. They're already, I think, suffering the ill effects of it. And we'll see. Maybe they get some kind of return on investment. Maybe they win the Super Bowl next year, uh, and they can make a fool out of me. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe Led Zeppelin re-records the Gilligan's Island theme song and sells a million copies, too. So the question is, when the Ravens said, all right, tell you what, we'll non-franchise tag you, $32.4 million, go out and find your own deal. Then we'll decide whether we want to match it. People are not lining up to sign Lamar. They're lining up to say no thanks. And everybody's commenting, even Dan Campbell. At the NFL's owner meetings about 10 days ago, he said, man, we get it. Lamar's a heck of a talent. But, man, we got a quarterback, and thank God we do. So we're good. And then you start to look across the room, and remember the Carolina Panthers were thought to possibly be interested at one point. But they basically chose to trade up for the number one pick. They have a general manager by the name of Scott Fitterer. He basically said, he didn't mince words, he says, look, Lamar is, quote, a really expensive option. We're focused more on our draft picks at this point. It's got to make sense for both sides. Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, there was a thought that if the Aaron Rodgers debacle started to fall through, and there hasn't been this thought for a while, but perhaps you look toward Lamar Jackson. But Joe Douglas even said at the owners' meetings, and I quote, this would be disingenuous and negotiating in bad faith to pivot from Aaron Rodgers to Lamar Jackson, Pete Carroll, usually an open-minded guy, he said, we can't afford him. Meanwhile, the Raiders, they said, hey, we chose Jimmy Garoppolo. The Saints went with Derek Carr. The Lions are sticking with Jared Goff. Even Kyle Shanahan, now he's got a quarterback room. Brock Purdy coming off an injury. Hopefully he recovers. Sam Darnold, you already know about Sam. Trey Lance, who I've always believed will has an excellent chance to be a bust. I'm not saying I hope that happens. I got to call him as I see him, and every time they kept showing that same reel from North Dakota State with the three plays that were his highlight reel, two of the three were running plays. He's got a long way to go. So even with Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, Kyle Shanahan said, we're pretty set at quarterback. Okay, he's not interested. Mike McDaniel, he's, I like what he did. He's all in on Tua. He picked up the fifth-year option. I'm a Tua fan. I understand He's had some issues. He had two major injuries coming out of Alabama, and he's been injured in the NFL. But I think healthy, with a healthy Tua, I like the cut of his jib. The Dolphins are a pretty good team. The Dolphins believe they're set. Now, Tom Brady retires. Tampa Bay, well, they did get Baker Mayfield, and they're going to – Kyle Trask is going to back him up. But even Todd Bowles, he said, look, we got about $2 million in cap space as of last Friday morning. He said, we got to get under the cap. And that Todd Bowles actually believed that anything that the Buccaneers would offer Lamar Jackson would basically, and I'll quote Todd Bowles, he said, it would be an insult to a great player like that. And Ron Rivera, and as far as we know, the Washington commanders are up for sale. He said, quote, we honestly never even did consider Jackson. What they did do, though, was sign Jacoby Brissett for eight million and he'll compete with Sam Howell who's coming off his rookie season. So that only leaves basically four teams that potentially make any sense for Lamar Jackson. Patriots, Colts, Texans, and Falcons. However, comma, none of them seem to want him either. I mean let's just let's look at the reality. Now even though neither Bill Belichick nor Robert Kraft, even though he got the Kraft got the text from Meek Mill 
None of them have explicitly said, no, we're not signing Lamar Jackson. Most people uh, that I talk to, the consensus is, is that they believe it would be a significant surprise because that would mean they're giving up on Mac Jones and they got Mac Jones on a cheap contract right around $2 million for 2023. And the fact that they could score any points at all with that knucklehead Matt Patricia with that pencil in his ear calling plays, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I they, might have, they might as well have had Mickey the Dunce calling plays last year. I don't know how New England survived that year. Bill O'Brien will be much better. So I think New England's a pass. Now, there may not be a team in the league that's more desperate for a quarterback than the Houston Texans. And they've had two terrible seasons, but they have – and by the way, the Texans actually have two first-round picks to play with, which is another part of this. If you pick up Lamar Jackson and you make that trade on the non-exclusive arrangement, you're giving up two first-round picks. You're going to pay a massive annual salary. You're going to compromise your draft capital, and you might be in salary cap hell, but the Texans are desperate for a quarterback, but apparently not that desperate. And they have a new coach, D'Amico Ryans, who I think is going to do a very good job. He said, yeah, we're looking at all options, but I think we'd rather draft a younger cheaper again cheaper quarterback with the number two pick you get that guy four years 36 million instead of four years 250 million whatever the case may be five years they're probably going to get either bryce young or cj stroud most likely all right that leaves the colts the colts have played musical chairs with quarterback for four years and none of them have worked and peyton manning ain't walking through that door anymore and it looks like the colts are now leaning toward the draft as well Maybe they've got their sights set on Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. That's a story for a different day. But now Jim Mercy, who's been a bit of a maverick, does a bit of an about-face. He says, you know, I'm really looking at this as a great opportunity. Because if you have a rookie quarterback, you're going to have him on a rookie quarterback deal. You're going to have a chance for those years, three or four years, to have those extra dollars to make your team better. Finally, the Falcons, by the way, people thought they made sense. Remember how hard they went after Jatron Watson about 18 months ago? They got a terrible depth chart. They do have Desmond Ritter, and they have uh, Taylor Heineke. I think they're going to hitch their wagon to them. Jackson would have been popular. He'd be Michael Vick 2.0, most likely. They would have been instant favorites in the South. And Arthur Blank says, yeah, we're out on Lamar Jackson. Lamar, And again, Arthur Blank was very candid. He cited the fact that Lamar Jackson had missed 11 games in the last two seasons, including the playoffs. And they love what Desmond Ritter has brought so far. So, again, you're finding situations where, hey, you might like Lamar Jackson, you might want Lamar Jackson, you certainly acknowledge he's the premier dual-threat quarterback in the league, perhaps the most gifted, legitimate NFL dual-threat quarterback, which means he's not a run-first dual-threat like Justin Fields, let's say. Lamar can actually operate from the pocket. But I don't think it's in the cards. Stay tuned. They have spoken. Whether you like it or not, there's the world that ought to be and the world that is. And this is the world that is, not the world that ought to be if you're Lamar Jackson. Again, stay tuned. Coming up, Masters just a few hours away. Let's get you up to date. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt. Yeah, less than three hours to go until the resumption of the third round. And the reason why the third round needs to be resumed early Sunday is because, once again, play was suspended on Saturday due to inclement weather. So they're going to continue the third round early Sunday. Then they're going to play the final round as soon as that concludes. And right now it's Brooks Kepka in the lead. He's 13 under, four strokes ahead of John Rahm. Sam Bennett, the amateur, six under par heading into the final day 
of play at Augusta National. Tiger Woods did make the cut. He's at nine over par, and with him making the cut, he's done it in 23rd, 23 consecutive Masters tournament in which he has played. That is a new record. Justin Thomas missing the cut. Dustin Johnson is another notable golfer. He is five over par. The NBA investigating the Dallas Mavericks for sitting players on Friday night and then proceeding to lose and eliminate themselves from playoff contention. They did have a top 10 protected draft pick that they dealt away, so uh, the NBA is taking a look at that. The NBA regular season ending on Sunday. Western Conference, the play-in uh, tournament not yet decided. The Clippers, uh, if they... Beat the Suns, will avoid it, and it'll be the Lakers uh, in that seventh spot. They'll be the Lakers are against the Jazz on Sunday. College hockey, the Frozen Four, Quinnipiac capturing the NCAA men's hockey title with an overtime goal against number one seed in Minnesota. The final score in that one, three to two. Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays still undefeated. They moved to eight and zero, the best start in franchise history. After they shut out the Oakland Athletics 11 to nothing, Red Sox sweep the Tigers 14-5, Cubs over the Rangers 10-3, the Phillies with three runs in the ninth edge out the Reds 3-2, the Royals score on a wild pitch in the ninth to beat the Giants 6-5, the Mets beat the Marlins 5-2, the Angels beat the Blue Jays 9-5 behind a three-run home run from Mike Trout, and the Diamondbacks come from behind to beat the Dodgers 12-8. Back over to you, Bernie. All right, like you said, uh, Kevin, the Masters resumes. Brooks Kepka is only on hole seven. He's the favorite to win it. He's minus 110. He also plays on the LIV Golf Tour. He, uh, I, I, he's got a four-hole lead over John Rahm, who's minus 160. And these are two tremendous players. I mean, I think Rahm would have to rip off a bunch of birdies in a row, and Kepka would have to screw the pooch. I don't see that happening. I love how you brought up Sam Bennett. You could have got him at 2,001. Before the tournament starts, now he's down to 40 to 1. He's in third place, seven shots back. Do I think he's going to catch anybody? No. But what a great story. Victor Hovland also hanging around, Patrick Cantley. And I would just say this when you put Brooks Kepka in this situation here, uh, what I find fascinating is that this is a guy up and coming who, if, if he hangs on to win this Masters, what is that, his fifth, sixth major now? And he's young. He, 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 well, relatively. He's 32, but he's in his prime. And, you know, you could be looking at double digits here the next few years. What's also interesting, you know, this is the real backstory. He plays on the LIV Tour. He won the tournament last week in, in Orlando. And interestingly enough, the purse at the, uh, at the Masters this week, a tradition, well, pretty much like every other. Every place has tradition, right? But I've been there. I've been in Magnolia Lane. I, I walked, the, walked the course in 1999. Uh, it's 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 a great bucket list thing for people to do. It's very undulating. You better bring your A game. Just walking around, you'll wipe yourself out. But the bottom line is this: there's an irony that Brooks Kepka won his tournament last week in Orlando, the Live Tournament, won four million dollars. The purse was twenty-five million. Whoever wins the Masters and gets the green jacket this year, you're going to win three point two million. The purse is eighteen, which is the highest ever. One thing the Live Tour has done, and I'm not sticking out for the Live Tour, so knock it off, haters. Don't don't come at me like I'm an agent for the Live Tour. I just report things as I see them. They've brought some things to the PGA, like more money. So let's see, see how this plays out. It'll be interesting how the media spins it if Brooks Kepka, a Live guy, wins the Masters. It's not a PGA event. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because 
live golfers are prohibited from playing PGA events, and that's going to be argued in court late this year. And believe me, we will be covering it. But should be a lot of fun. Uh, the weather has been brutal. You're supposed to have a decent day. Looks like after about 2 o'clock Eastern, it's going to be fairly sunny. It should be good scoring. We'll see if they finish the tournament on Sunday. The last time the tournament was decided on a Monday, got to go back to 1983 when Seve Ballesteros won the whole thing. Coming up, I'm going to give a movie review. I saw the movie Air, Ben Damon, uh, Ben Matt, blah, 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 blah. Try that again in English. Last time I run a tongue from that place. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Man, they got it right. I know a lot about this story. I've actually met Sonny Vaccaro. Uh, it's a fabulous piece of storytelling. And I want to share it with you because not only is it an enjoyable evening and a fabulous source of entertainment to see the movie air, but there are multiple life lessons coming out of that movie that I will share with you. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, Tyrac.com Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Wrapping it up on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios of Fox Sports Radio. Been with you since 11 p.m. Pacific Saturday night, and that's why, before I go any further, I want to bring in my crew, thank them for the great job they do. Uh, Patrick Suica, back-to-back nights. Good job, Pat, and for uh, Ethan last night. And looks like he'll be with us on Saturday nights. Outstanding job. Of course, uh, Kevin Wired on the updates, and both those guys, their colorful work on Brand New Fool and What My Name, and, of course, Mark Ramsey, our technical producer. Uh, he, uh, an outstanding job tonight, Mark. Uh, guys could not do the job without all the teamwork. Uh, Saturday was April 8th, and it was the 49-year anniversary of Hank Aaron hitting home run number 715 to pass Babe Ruth, and I gave Hank an homage in my Friday night show, and I want to do it again because it allows me to tie it into a larger subject matter or check that. It's not necessarily a larger subject matter, but it's the subject matter I want to delve into because I saw the movie Air, which is the story of the pursuit of Michael Jordan's Jimmy Vaccaro to join on with Nike. And back in 1984, Nike was a distant third. They weren't like they were now. They were a distant third behind Converse and, and Adidas. And... I happened to spend an afternoon with Hank Aaron back in 1991. I was part of the marketing firm that produced and promoted the 12th National Sports Collectors Convention, and I found Hank to be an elegant man. I lo- uh, he was terrific. And we talked about the indignities he suffered while chasing Babe Ruth. Uh, we are talking about the hate mail, the racial slurs, the death threats that came in on a daily basis. And Hank said, well, that's not really the worst of what I had to deal with in my life when I was in the low minor leagues in the early 50s, uh, they were going through, I think it was Birmingham, and it was one of those rare times where the black players got to eat with the white players. So we finished up our meal, and as we started to file out, headed toward the bus, they scooped up our dishes, and we heard them smashing them against the wall. And Hank Aaron was very poignant. He said, you know, if dogs had eaten off those dishes, they would have washed them. And he could still hear the sound of those dishes smashing against the wall 40 years later. That was a genuine indignity. But Hank Aaron prevailed. And Hank Aaron proved that failure, rejection, 
resistance, temporary defeat is a part of the byproduct of achieving whatever it is you want to achieve in life. And the movie Air spells this out so eloquently. And it's not just a great movie that tells a fabulous story, a true story. It's also a situation where it's an homage to 1984. The, the, the music, the clothes, the, the movies, the commercials, the vibe, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. It's a bit of a period piece, but it tells a larger story. And what makes it so uh, compelling are the legitimate, genuine life lessons that it portrays. Now, look, I come from a sport where there's failure every 15 seconds. The pitcher fails to throw a strike. The hitter fails to make contact. The fielder fails to make a play. The hitter fails to reach base. And it repeats for about three hours. Well, I used to repeat for three hours. Now it repeats for about two hours and 38 minutes, but you get the picture. Until someone finally wins, which teaches us two things. One, failure is an integral part of success in life, and that failure is never final. So you've got the Hank Aaron achievement. Juxtapose that with baseball in general, which teaches us failure. By the way, one neat sidelight of this whole era movie saga Matt Damon pointed this out the other night. You know, Jordan only wore two numbers his whole career. He wore number 45 and he wore number 23. What was the day that the era movie was released? 4, 5, 23. It was released Thursday, April 5th, or Wednesday, April 5th, excuse me. Just a little side note there. So as the movie continues, you realize that in order to make this happen, it wasn't just the fact that they were constantly, Sonny Vaccaro and Nike, constantly faced with rejection and, and setbacks and resistance and, you know, speed bumps and obstruction, one after another. And it wears on, on Matt Damon's face, who plays Sonny Vaccaro, but he knows in his heart, he feels he's got something here. He knows it can change the world. He knows it. You feel it. The movie does that. But he couldn't do it alone, which leads to the other life lesson that this movie is, I believe, so effective in sharing. And that is, whatever success we have in this life, it will be done within the framework of a team. No one does it by themselves. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And so this movie, which obviously has a beginning, middle, and end, tells a story. And even though you know the outcome... You know the outcome. There is so much tension-filled drama and uncertainty. And I will tell you, the scenes between Viola Davis, who plays Michael Jordan's mom, and Matt Damon, who plays Sonny Vaccaro, are absolutely electric. You will feel them. Which is another side note of the story, because when Ben Affleck and Matt Damon decided to do this movie, the first person they approached was Michael Jordan. They were fascinated with the story. And there had been a script submitted. And... Uh, Ben said, we better approach Michael Jordan to make sure he's okay with this. Jordan signed off on it right away. But there's one thing Jordan said, because his mother was very, his mother Dolores is a very important cog in his life, and you will see in the movie, which you probably already know, just if you have any general knowledge of Michael Jordan and the reverence he has for his mother. <clears throat> he said, Michael Jordan told Ben Affleck, Viola Davis has to play my mom. End of story. She has to play my mom or there's no movie. So Ben Affleck 
flies back. He sits down with Matt Damon and says, I got some good news and some bad news. He says, what's the good news? Jordan's in. He likes the movie. What's the bad news? No movie unless we get Viola Davis. And Damon goes, great. That's like every team wanting Michael Jordan on their basketball team. But fortunately, obviously, Viola Davis agreed. And one of the most fascinating things about this movie, like I said, even though you know the ending, the tension and buildup and drama is so phenomenal. The way they tell the story, you feel it, and you have, you find saying to yourself, geez, I wonder if they're going to get this deal, even though you know they did. Now, you can't say that about every movie, all right? Uh, if you saw the movie Argo that Ben Affleck made about 10 years ago, which is the true story of getting the hostages out of Iran and how Canada helped some people, and they almost didn't get out in time, uh, and you see the plane taking off, and at one point someone says, I hope they make it. Again, you know the ending, he pulled it off. I'll tell you one, one movie I don't think they pulled off. I'll never forget uh, the very first radio show I ever had that I produced, created at WTK in Ann Arbor back in uh, 1996. By that point, I'd been on radio two years, but I hadn't had my own show. It's called The View from the Cheap Seats. And uh, as I got into the late 96, and I signed on in February 96, uh, what was the rage then? It was uh, it was Titanic, right, with Kate Winslet and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and I I struggled with that. I didn't want to see it. I just I didn't want to see it. I didn't care. Everybody was raving about it. The soundtrack. It's going to win Academy Awards. Yada yada yada. How long is it? Three hours. I'll forget. I don't want to see the damn thing, right? So finally, after it ended up winning a couple Academy Awards, I, I relented and I saw it. And then I went back on the radio and had to admit I saw it. And what were people saying? They were basically saying, wait a minute, Bernie. I thought you said you weren't going to see the movie. Of course, you know me. I've got to reply with a smart-ass laugh line. I said, well, I wasn't. But, you know, I didn't think the boat was going to sink again. That was my way of saying, all right, maybe I'd see something new. But I didn't. That, that movie bored the hell out of me. But I'm glad you all liked it, okay? Don't go by me on Titanic, but go by me on Air the Movie. And I get it. Not everybody has to agree on everything. Hey, Figure this one out. I'm Italian. I'm Calabrese. I don't like olives. Some people like olives. A lot of people must like olives. Go to the grocery store. There's cans and cans and rows and rows of olives. They don't need my money, but I will tell you. The Hank Aaron story to me rang through Saturday, 49-year anniversary, and the indignities he suffered, the hate mail, the racial slurs, the death threats. Now, Sonny Vicara didn't get those, but you feel. There's a tangible, visceral feel, the setbacks that these folks uh, you know, experienced during this movie to get where they want to go. You see the finished product. That's what happens in life. Someone's really good at what they do. An organization achieves great success. Um, and you see the finished product. But you don't see the journey necessarily that, that they had to travel to get there and what speed bumps and how, against all odds, things might look and you manage still to pull it off. That's what this movie brings to you in true living color. So you've got the Hank Aaron saga, which I think is a very apropos analogy couple that with the fact that baseball is a sport in and of itself failure every 15 seconds whatever success we aspire to have in this lifetime yes it will be done within the framework of a team know it by does it by themselves even lone ranger had tonto and even though i knew the end of the story it created such incredible tension that you weren't sure so what's the moral here once again the power of story you don't see this as much in Hollywood as you used to. This is the kind of movie that Hollywood needs to continue to make. And yes, it's a feel-good movie. A lot of folks, they raved about Top Gun last year, as did I. 
because you felt good leaving the movie. That's the, those are the types of movies Tom Cruise wants to make. He wants the audience leaving feeling good. This is a true story. Look, Tip O'Neill said it best. There's nothing like a story, especially if they have the added value of being true. And, and I've said it a million times. Give me a fact. I'll learn it. Tell me the truth, and I'll believe it. But share a great story, and it lives in my heart the rest of my life. You will see as this movie progresses that the human spirit, uh, the ability and the power to dream and to follow through on your convictions uh, will, will sustain you. And one of the, and I'm not giving anything away, and by the way, you're not going to, there is a gentleman who plays Michael Jordan, you'll never see his face. This is not a spoiler alert in any way, it's not that big of a deal. Both, both Affleck and Damon felt that there is no one that could do Michael Jordan justice. Now, his dad, James, looks just like him, and Viola Davis was fabulous. But you see Jordan twice in the movie, but it's always the back of his head, and he only has one line, and you'll hear what it is. I can't recommend it enough. Again, tell me a great story that lives in my heart the rest of my life, especially if it has the added value of being true. Air of the movie will give you uh, that feel-good feeling that you haven't had quite a while in the movies, and it will show you how they did really change the world. No lie. It's going to do it for the Bernie Fratter Show. See you next Friday at 11. Keep it locked. Up next, Andy Furman and Chris Plank. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 